and he just like starts watering his mogwais, <laughs> feeds them after midnight, and says, "Run, my pretties." You know. And... Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. everybody welcome to the sincast this is chris atkinson from cinema sins joined as always by the voice of cinema sins jeremy scott hello and from music video sins barrett share hi there and we're going to continue our series of best of the years we've been alive and we're all the way up to 2010 did i adequately answer your condescending question sweet potato who do you think you're talking to i can't tell you what it is you can never ask me about it later and we're going to hurt some people Whose car are we going to take? You cocky cock! It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange. I mean to kill you in one minute, Ned! Oh, I don't even know if there is a joke. You kind of look like a stripper. Mom! A high-end stripper. For governors or athletes. Holy shit, wow. How did we get here already? I know, How did I get like here? Seven yes. more of these. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Then we're going to have to find something new to do. Yeah. And, oh, my God, we're going to have to do something new. <laughs> Shit. Let's just cycle back around. <laughs> yeah, let's just go backwards after this. <laughs> All right, let's do the, yeah. All right. Um, so uh, I guess what immediately comes to my mind about 2010 is Inception. Ah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all obviously a tremendous hit, and it uh, I believe it got nominated for Best Picture, and this is something that, you know, it is something we crave, right, in movies. It's something that's creative, something we haven't ever really seen before. Um, it's got its minor flaws here and there. I'm sure there's some people who absolutely hate Inception. I really love Inception. Oh, man, it's a happy place for me. Um, playing with time, right, the levels of dreams going further down, and each, you know, each time you go down... It's, it, time takes longer to pass there, and it gives us this wonderfully layered finale taking place in three different sort of time speeds or time periods and all impacting each other. God, I love it so much. And it's just it's Christopher Nolan, I think, at his inventive best. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of the best casts of this decade. Oh, fantastic cast. It's yeah. amazing. I mean, you think about all the talent involved here. Now, Christopher Nolan aside. Leo DiCaprio, Ellen Page, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, Ken Watanabe. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, you know? it, it's a fantastic cast, and they really sell this this world, right? They Their acting, their reactions to it, having that is crucial to us buying in. Um, and there's, there's moments where it's heady, very heady, mm -hmm. uh, but I think everything is explained fairly well for the casual viewer. It's even better when you start uh, reading into a lot of the different things that are in it like it's basically like it's a movie set mm -hmm. everybody's got their like sort of their role on there and that's sort of like uh the the fun like subtext of the movie is seeing these characters uh playing that what somebody in a movie production would and everything there's also and i wish i could find the guy's name there is a great youtube video about inception uh, this guy's in a classroom, and he's basically going yeah. through all the different yeah. meanings of it and everything. Oh, it's fantastic. 
it, it, it will make you think about Inception in a different way because there's a lot of stuff in there. Like, and this is one of those uh, uh, everything wrong with videos that kicked our ass because there was so <laughs> many different like levels to it and everything. And so I, I think today we'd probably try to avoid doing Inception. There's so yeah. many, there's so many things in it. Uh, but uh, but a lot of the things in there, like you know, that are that you might question are all part of this world. There's all, you know, they, there's explanations for it and everything. And man, is it so good? It's just so creative and so well done. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I can't say anything better than that. That's, I mean, I think there's, I think we forgot to mention Michael Caine. Oh yeah. And Marion Cotillard, uh, the the (laughs) Killian Murphy. It's, 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 uh, Marion Cotillard, Cotillard, or Cotillard. Co- Cotillard, yeah. yeah, yeah. Marion Cotillard. Yeah, you have to, you have to like take those L's and just not <laughs> pronounce them for well, whatever. I got Killian's name right this yeah. time at least. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I uh, and and even I knew it was Cotillard, and I'm sitting there going, I'm trying to get the L's out of the way, and <laughs> fuck no. I um, like that this movie. You're right because it does get heady, but it takes its time to explain itself, mm-hmm. and it's not narration. It's not you know you know out of bounds stuff it's straight like here's you taking a newcomer here's what the world is like here are the rules here's what you can play with and that kind of thing and it 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 goes out of its way to make sure that you understand this because if you don't get it at the front end you're not going to get it going forward is right when they go down all those different levels right no absolutely and uh one of the best final scenes in my opinion and you could put this up with anything at a best montage discussion i think uh from when the time he wakes up uh, gets to the airport and gets through customs, and it's all set to that theme, time, mm-hmm. uh, which is one of the, my my favorite pieces of the score ever, and I could just listen to it anytime and get goosebumps. Uh, but yeah, if you somehow haven't seen Inception, if the premise was scaring you off because it's so complicated, uh, just jump in. I think you'll enjoy the ride. Yeah, and Hans Zimmer has been around for a long time, but this is a breakout performance mm-hmm. yeah well and endlessly imitated since yep. then uh, by himself too yeah by himself but by everybody else and every trailer uh known to man by the way that guy's name is kyle johnson if you want to go to oh, okay. youtube go to kyle johnson it's called inception and philosophy um that video if you love inception you're gonna love watching it's a 42 minute video mm. but you're gonna love watching that video because he breaks it down so well and there's a lot of like stuff in there that i never really because the ending that you're talking about, the kids say some stuff that you can't really hear right. when you're, and they say some stuff that is incredible to what that movie is, mm. and uh, and I never heard it before. And he's like, "Well, I had to, I had to watch it with the subtitles, and then the subtitles tell you what the kids say, and the kids say something very important, yeah, because you're sitting there trying to think." Oh, well, it's definitely a dream or, oh, it's definitely real, you know, but when the kids say they, what they say, you're like, oh my God, that just (laughs) opens up so many other little things. Yeah. So I love Inception two pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, what else, guys? Well, uh, Social Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Let's just get the big dogs out of the way. Sure. When I first read the headline, David Fincher to make a movie about Facebook, I went on whatever social media I was on at that time. This is way pre-Cinema Sins. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. <laughs> and boy, did that movie make me pay for feeling that way. This is a fantastic movie. Um, somehow they made a movie about the founding of Facebook that is just riveting. Yeah. yeah. And he steals a few pages from Nolan here in terms of the way the film is presented to us over different times. And we jump forward and back a little bit, uh, especially with what's going on with the lawsuits and the uh, mm-hmm. depositions and whatnot. Uh, this is the first 
movie score for Trent Reznor, right? Yep. And uh, it's a home run. It's just a creepy... And was it Atticus Ross, uh-huh. yeah. the other guy? Yeah. 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 And they won an Oscar, I think. They did. They yeah. did. Yeah. Deserving. It's a yeah. great score. It is an amazing score. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, uh, the breakout for Andrew Garfield for me. Yes. Um, and, and even Justin Timberlake, who had already sort of had like, you know, oh, he's he's better than I would have ever thought Justin Timberlake would be. And and he's great in this. Yeah. But Andrew Garfield has a scene that I can't stop watching in here. And it's when they finds out that he's not in on that stock uh, agreement. And it's just it's just the best. It's just the way everything is about it is so like winning. But mm-hmm. even while you're sitting there going, oh, no, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I love I love that. And uh, Jesse Eisenberg, I, I mean, this is a perfect role for him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I've always liked Jesse Eisenberg, but uh, you know, recently it's like he's it's like he's sort of like bought into all that bullshit yep. that he does, and he does it in everything now. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh. But he's really good in this. This is perfect. Yeah. This this is a perfect movie to me. Mm-hmm. I, I I love everything about this. The way it's paced, the way that they tell the story and mess around with the the time and everything uh timberlake's performance man like uh, rashida jones is great in this yep. yeah uh army hammer is the <laughs> winklevoss twins yeah is great aaron sorkin's dialogue in the wrong mouths <laughs> yeah right <laughs> can get like in the newsroom yeah can get like way too heavy mm-hmm. uh but this it just it's crisp and it sings and I mean that you have exactly that much of my attention, you know. How yeah, much? <laughs> yeah. And without so having without having to teach you programming, still shows you how much better Zuckerberg was than those around him mm-hmm. at doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you really get a sense that he was kind of an outlier, uh, even though you know I don't know jack shit about programming. Um, Rooney Mars in this yeah. big breakout role mm-hmm. also has a whole nine yards throw the beer the person doesn't catch it uh, yeah. joke yeah. which will never not be funny <laughs> yeah. to me um, anyway I just I love it I, I watch it probably intentionally once or twice a year mm-hmm. it kind of shows you how much of a star Aaron Sorkin is as a writer which is hard to do yeah. uh, and the fact that the movie Steve Jobs came out and and that was Danny Boyle but it still felt like all the stuff that Social Network did. Uh-huh. Like, you know, like th- that. those two movies are so similar. Like, yeah. you could watch them back to back, but those are two different directors and everything. You can tell the Fincher in Social Network because of just the way everything's lit and shot and everything like that. But, but like, I when I was watching Steve Jobs, I was like, yeah, this, that's the same guy, right? Did David Fincher do this? No, yeah. it's Danny Boyle. Although he did almost do it. He was attached that's for the longest time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, backed out and it was Danny Boyle. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, another one. This one is uh, is uh, maybe somewhat divisive in this room. I don't know. Scott Pilgrim versus the World came out in 2010. Boy, do I feel like I drop acid when I watch this movie. <laughs> and this is one of those movies that I've never watched twice all the way through. Mm-hmm. I've caught it bits and pieces flipping around. I watched it all the way through the first time intentionally. Uh, and I respect it. And I think it's good. But I, that doesn't mean I want to subject my eyes to it too many <laughs> Man, more times. Because I've it is manic. seen this movie probably 15 times. Uh-huh. It's one of those. Edgar Wright is can do no wrong right now for me. And... And this is one of those movies that I feel like there's so much inventive about the way he edits and and he does his jokes and stuff like that. Yes, it is crazy on like all the like video game type stuff that's yep. going on in here. But like every Edgar Wright movie before it, 
there's like a lot of stuff going on in this that's not on the surface, you know, yeah. like all the X's that are in the, yep. you know, that are in there that sort of foreshadow everything that's going on. Yeah. I love that. It just, it's that type of stuff, but I love like, uh, where, you know, Michael Sarah's like, we're going to meet at the, and it cuts to the, to the building that they're going to go to uh-huh. instead of him saying it, you know, uh-huh. I just, that's just, the, and you know, he's winning in it. Mary Elizabeth Winstead is very winning in it. Uh, I love how before he before uh, they even run into um, the uh, the girl ex the May Whitman ex mm-hmm. uh, he keeps saying ex boyfriend ex boyfriends and she keeps correcting him saying exes exes yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he doesn't ever get it yeah. he never gets it he's like why do you keep correcting me on that and then finally he gets the answer later on of course may whitman has the that the one of the best lines in it, it says looks like your bf's about to get effed in the b <laughs> <laughs> i love this movie yeah i, I do it. too uh for everything that you said but what's cool about this is even as weird as it is at the beginning Nothing really prepares you for when he starts fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> like you just all of a sudden, yeah. like, <laughs> like Michael Sarah turns into a badass. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, "What the hell is yeah. this?" And it's man, Jason Schwartzman takes a turn yeah. into one of the most interesting, maybe not the best, but one of the more interesting villains that you'll ever see. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's just he's so greasy. Oh, and he's everything. such a oh man. And the way that they stage these fights, these video game fights, uh, from you know, from one end to the other, even especially when they're doing like the battle of the bands thing, mm-hmm. I think is really cool. By the way, Beck ended up writing the the songs for this sex bob Oh, really? Uh, band. There's one song that, uh, the, and Brie Larson is in this too. Mm-hmm. There's one song that they do that I know is from another band uh, that I heard back in the day, and oh, I can't yeah. remember can't remember who it is, but ah. a lot of yeah, they had professionals writing these yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's good. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um. And, and yeah, it's just got a lot of just, I mean, it's funny throughout. So yeah, if you can't, if there, there's a lot of that hyper stylized editing and stuff, it makes you feel like if you've got, you know, epilepsy, you shouldn't watch this or whatever. <laughs> um, but in the end, I, I think the script and the way it's, the way it's presented sort of overcome all of that. And man, I just, I just love this movie yeah. so much. Let's talk about, let's stay out here on the fringes and uh, talk a little bit about Tucker and Dale. Okay. Oh, yeah. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> um, another movie I don't think very many people have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a pretty good following and people who like it really like it. Yeah. This is basically what would happen if you took one of those typical cabin in the wood monster horror slasher movies and crossed it with the man who knew too little with Mm -hmm. bill murray Uh, yeah because you have tucker and dale these two backwoods guys that are genuinely just trying to help these like college kids stay alive but keep accidentally looking like the killers (laughs) and i just ball all the way through it laughing because it's so absurd and hilarious uh i don't know you guys like it yeah 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 i saw this at our local bell court when it came out. oh nice yeah really really good stuff I, yeah, alan is, tuddick yeah again. man he's so he, he's so winning in just about everything he does he really is and and he's great in this too yeah and it's uh i saw this probably the same week i watched cabin in the woods and this oh yeah and Perfect. really spoiled me on comic horror for a long time i can imagine those yeah. two movies are so good at it anyway i just wanted to get that shout out in there
Nice. Um, also coming out, we had, um, I had it a minute ago, <laughs> The Town came out yes. in 2010, and this was Affleck's basically the Gone Baby Gone was no fluke movie. Yeah, and Gone Baby Gone is his best, mm -hmm. but The Town is the most watchable, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, just three or four really good action heist <laughs> scenes culminating with... The one at Fenway, which is about 30 minutes of raw heist shootout awesomeness. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I just love this movie. Everything about it. Even I think this is Affleck's best performance in one of his own movies. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Jeremy Renner's great. Oh, yeah. Blake Lively is great. John Hamm is great. Oh, yeah. Um, there's nobody bad in this movie. But if you've never seen it, I, this would be my probably number one recommend of the year. Small role from Pete Postlethwaite. Um, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Who's terrifying in a basically he's very quiet about yeah. his terrifyingness. But um, but I love the John Hamm scene with Blake Lively in the bar. That is one of the best scenes in the movie, and he's just talking about, I know everything about money. He's like, yeah. you know how much it weighs? One gram. Yeah. You know, all that type <laughs> of stuff. Uh, uh, John Hamm is, is uh, you know, a smart guy. Like, we're not seeing some, you know, dumbass detective chasing after Ben Affleck in this movie and everything. And he's and you kind of can root for both you can. characters in this. It's very rare that you can see that. Yeah, they, they give him plenty of screen time and, and give him a chance to show how good he is at his job. Uh, and then we have Titus Welliver again as his right-hand yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, Affleck clearly likes working with that guy. But the piece of weight thing you were talking about, God, he he's a florist. Mm -hmm. Almost every time we see him, he's trimming roses. Uh, but he says some of the most menacing shit in that scene yeah. when Ben Affleck tries to walk away. And he tells him the story about his mother. Oh, uh, yeah. And he makes a threat against Affleck's current girlfriend. And I love when Affleck leaves. He's like, if anything happens to her, I'm coming back and we'll kill both of you in your own shop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, everybody has a dramatic moment to just shine and everyone hits it out of the park yeah uh, it's man. just a fantastic crime movie i get a lot of heat vibes off of this, oh definitely right mm -hmm. i mean yeah. you got the the unhinged right hand man you've got uh john ham essentially in the al pacino character and de niro and affleck in the same role but and bank man, robberies yeah exactly well and after they've done the bank with rebecca hall who's another person i love um they they he ben affleck doesn't want to do anymore it's kind of like heat where it's like we're we're kind of like getting to that point where we need to make that last score and then get out yep and of course that last score is always the one where you have the most trouble yep and uh and that's where you get in a lot of that heat vibe i think because yeah. it's that type of thing exactly and you have i mean val kilmer and, and jeremy renner in this are really yeah very similar but you got that great scene with jeremy renner and ben affleck when he tells him I'm moving to Florida. You know, <laughs> you know, kind of, I'm getting out. You're not getting out. What are you talking about? You know, oh man, I did it, nine years for you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, hits. You feel all that history behind them, and the fact that he cannot let this person go. Yeah, yeah, and you even get that heist in the middle that shows the cracks in the surface mm -hmm. because Affleck says, "I don't like the the god on the next job." Yeah, he thinks he's GI Joe. He wears body armor. And, yeah, let's wait for another truck. But they go ahead and do it, and of course that GI Joe gets out of the truck and forces Jeremy Renner to shoot him, and then. They get away in one of the coolest chase scenes ever, yeah. uh, and just it shows off how brilliant they are at their planning. I'm always like Jeremy Renner as an actor, but this is one of the few times that I've actually felt like I've remembered something that he did. Like yeah. a lot of times, it's like, oh, he was in that. Oh, I forgot yeah. completely. <laughs> you know, um, but this is one where he's got a character that you can really chew into. You know, because he's he's 
he's a bad guy with you know he's obviously very you know he's he's allied with ben affleck and everything so you sympathize with him but he's got this undercurrent to him that is oh this is gonna fuck everything up you know because he's that he's this way he can't help it yeah he's unhinged right and there's something about watching movies about boston where things run so deep there Mm -hmm. i mean it's the same thing in like chicago and some in new york but for whatever reason in boston there's such like a tight same thing in gone baby gone where like the community even if they hate each other like they all come together Mm -hmm. you know and it's crazy yeah Yeah. it's fantastic and i just want to i want to hug it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i love it that much Mm -hmm. um all right, so uh, we talked about The Wrestler, and now here's another Darren uh-huh. Aronofsky movie, Black Swan. Oh, my goodness. Another very good movie. This has got Natalie Portman an Oscar. It did. Deservingly, I think. Um, yeah, I think she's I think she's good in this. She's um, very good. Yeah. Um, it's, this is her best performance ever, easily. Yeah, I think so. Um, but uh, a lot of crazy stuff going on in this movie, but uh, man, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, and you get a lot of that wrestler stuff in terms of like the camera lingering on physical pain or creaks yeah. and groans and whatnot and what a, what, a, what a ballerina really has to put their body through um which is you know, something a movie had never really shown me before are you thinking of the mila kunis scene right now is no that you're no i'm thinking of vincent cassell because oh. he's the guy who's driving all yeah. of that yeah yeah awfulness. He is. yeah and uh that's that moment where he like tells her to go home and masturbate because she's not performing sexually enough yeah uh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course what she does her mom catches her right uh, basically <laughs> uh, a lot of uncomfortable to look at stuff oh, yeah. which is part mm-hmm. of the point of the story he's trying to tell yeah um i love it i thought it was fantastic and of course the dichotomy of the black swan and the white swan and then you know mila kunis is her darker half competitor slash alternate personality slash i'm not really positive what happens at the end of this movie yeah um but but it's i would say it's like the wrestler with a twisted psychological vibe oh it's a big old mind fuck yeah yeah absolutely and uh has some freaky moments but i do love i do love the i mean after that scene the between kunis and and portman and portman like actually says you know i dreamed about you last night kunis is the fun of one of the funniest lines in the movie where she's like oh you you dreamed about having sex with me was i any good you know (laughs) i love that you know um but yeah this is a yeah this is a really good movie and again like aronofsky had been doing all these really hyper kinetic movies and then he does the wrestler and he does black swan Mm -hmm. and it's almost like he's just sort of like man i'm I'm tired of doing he (laughs) he must have been exhausted after doing requiem and pie and all those movies and everything he's like i'm gonna do something like a little bit more you know you know, has less going on in it and everything. Well, and this is the movie where Natalie Portman met her husband, uh, Benjamin yeah. Milliped, who was the ballet basically consultant for this mm. movie. I think he even plays the male ballet dancer. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're about to have their second child, I think. So, oh, yeah. The yeah. Marriage is still going strong. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Good, good for Natalie Portman. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. Um, also in 2010, Tangled. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. This um, was a. This was, I think, a big step in the right direction. Yeah, this was really the first time Disney, without Pixar, made something that was a mega hit. That yep, you know, uh, in a in a long time, obviously. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, it started uh, a weird tradition of Disney basically remaking a lot of things. Like, yes. um, they this is this is Rapunzel with a twist, yes. and then like, and then and then all you started seeing all the um live action remakes which mm. were that with a twist yeah <laughs> and uh and so tangled 
while it was really good, we, we'd accept that like in small doses, but it really launched them into going, hmm, we have all these properties, see? We're going to make them all again, see? Everybody's going to enjoy them, see? They all have cigars hanging out. Yeah, they're all Edward G. Robinson and stuff now all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was good. One of the reasons I think it, it succeeds is the, the songs are really winning and mm-hmm. singable, and it's got a, that lighting of the lantern scene uh where the animation oh, that's is so just good. incredible uh and i think that and the songs really connected with people and, and started them down the path that yeah would go to frozen and wreck it ralph and um what's the one that they just oh zootopia yeah, yeah. Uh, so that you know this was a big movie for them but you said pixar and that pixar had a pretty big movie this year too with toy story 3 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep um massive hit I still, to this day, say three is better than two. Two is better than one. Th- two and three are completely unnecessary. Uh, man, I, I and I, I, I guess I agree with you, but I'm just, I, this is that's my problem with Toy Story three. It's the same story again, yeah. except for a really emotional ending, and the yeah. ending is is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's one of the few moments in a movie that I've actually been like. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Whimper, a little bit. Whimper. You really think it, it's unnecessary, though? I mean, yes, it trades on the same soil, but the whole putting it in like a daycare and all that stuff, and, and, and the beginning of the movie is a little emotional too, where he's mm-hmm. packing up everything. Uh, Woody is supposed to go in one box, but he ends up in the other. And you know, I mean, setting it in that setting, of course, putting Ned Beatty as the big evil bear and everything in Lots there too. Lots of hugging bear, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I thought was was clever it's as winning as ever the performances tom hanks and and uh, tim allen are as good as ever and i think just adding that little twist is enough for me to where i could i could watch this movie on its own and still it would be a great what movie. i really like is the addition of michael keaton as the ken doll <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's a little yeah. creepy with barbie but he is a source of constant comedy in this movie um and yeah, I mean, I don't have I don't have any problem. I guess that it exists. It just doesn't feel like a universe I need to keep continuing to go to over and over. Again. Yeah, the whole thing is always oh no, they're not at the place where they they live. That's yeah. pretty much it. Toy Story two was oh no, they're in Al's toy barn. Oh no, Toy Story three, they're like but no, but they don't have a home in this. That's what it, they're searching for. They're not searching for a home. They're searching for a method to be played with, and they're all happy when they get to the 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 uh, daycare they're like okay cool mm-hmm. we're good we're in the right place and you know half of them are are accepting with the whole like structure and everything yeah until they meet the toddlers but like i i think i think it it has enough of a a, a right a left turn on it to where you know it's it, they still, don't have a home to go to it still boils down to not getting played with yeah it's always it's always something where they have to go on some adventure to either get back or okay in this case the ending of this well and movie. in the first movie it's woody am i not going to get played with now that the shiny brighter new toy is here <laughs> right. in the second movie it's i'm not going to get played with because a collector stole me and i'm worth money and mm-hmm. the third movie is i want to get played with that's why i'm happy i'm here oh wait they're sucking on my head not playing with me <laughs> yeah and how the hell did any of those toys not ever get slobbered on by andy's little sister yeah uh, can you tell me that? Why are they all so surprised by the toddler behavior at the daycare? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, but no, I really like this movie. Mm. And you, that ending really seals it, I think. Yeah, too. it's the same here. I enjoy this movie a lot. I mean, it's, I would, it's a good, solid top 10 movie of this year and everything. But man, I just wish it was something new yeah. that they're exploring with that. All right. What else? <laughs> 
There's what, something on my head. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just finish off the, the big animated movies and talk a little about how, how to train your dragon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, this was a massive hit for DreamWorks. Um, I think there are people who would fight you if you told them to their face you didn't like this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really fun. It's really solid. The character design um, on the dragon that he meets, Toothless, uh, mm-hmm. is fantastic. I don't mm-hmm. know how you make a scary killer dragon that damn adorable yeah. but they they did it they g- gave it just enough kitten i guess yeah um and uh, we're not really covering a ton of new ground in terms of the coming of age story that they're trying to tell uh but it sure is winning and charming and it's a, it's a breeze of a movie that i think most people would enjoy one of the things about this movie is the look and that is how they they got roger deakins who was a longtime coen brother cinematographer to do consulting on this and that's why everything looks so gorgeous on this. Yeah. And this is one of the first times I, you know, we talked about Kung Fu Panda was one of the first times we actually actually enjoyed a DreamWorks movie for a change. Yeah. And then finally they're getting into like more adult territory, quote unquote, um, where it's not about references anymore. And it's, it's more about let's tell this story instead and everything. And I really appreciate how to train your dragon. And Jay Baruchel mm-hmm. is perfect. Yeah. He's a perfect yeah, yeah. cartoon voice. He always has been, yeah. you know, and I've always liked that guy and he's just great as, you know, as this guy. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I really enjoyed it and, uh, it's, it's maybe not as good as toy story three or, you know, it, but, oh, it's, yeah. but it's, it's definitely up there. Yeah. And they put a lot more attention to detail in this. This was sure. what we were talking about with the Shrek movies is that they went for the broad strokes rather than the details and that kind of thing. Yeah. It definitely put that more so in that definitely in the look too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really enjoyed this. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good one. All right. What else guys? Well, speaking of mind fucks, going back to uh, Black Swan, Shutter Island came out. Yep, that was another mind fuck. Yep, uh, we probably shouldn't talk too much about this movie because the ending is is its own entity, and it really yep. kind of switches everything up. It, but uh, getting to that is still fun too. Yeah, it's an interesting movie uh, because there are a lot of parallels to inception in this movie yeah yeah yeah. uh you have the the lost wife that haunts him and he's you know he keeps you know that's what drives him through all this this investigation you have leonardo dicaprio dicaprio (laughs) um and this is a sort of departure for martin scorsese too like it just doesn't feel like a scorsese movie at any point during this thing but um but yeah, it's an interesting movie, and you're right. The ending is is one of those that I think I guessed it. I actually guessed it in the first five minutes. Really, I did. The wow, I did. Um, and and I I don't know. I think I had just already had set myself up with uh-huh. with what was going to happen in this movie. But there were some details that I noticed very early on. Interesting. That um that said, all right, that's what gonna go on so and it, it may have affected my enjoyment a little bit because i knew what was mm. gonna happen but that said still a decent movie yeah it's really cool i mean the, talk about a, a look and a mood as soon as you get on the ferry to to go out to that, that place mm-hmm. you're immediately filled with dread but also like a sense of wonder because you have no idea what's lurking around the corner you know this is based on a book horror. right uh-huh yeah, it's another one. Of, isn't it La Haye again? I think it I is. Think so, yeah. I yeah. think it is, Dennis Lane. Yeah, I liked it. I saw it one time. Uh, I wasn't. I wouldn't say I called it, but I was not surprised by it. Mm-hmm. But I still think the movie plays, even if you guess the ending, I still find the way they have that play out to be very satisfying. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's much, even if you are expecting it, it's much more intense 
than probably you may be expecting. It's because- an ending a lot like that reminds me a lot of the pledge. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the way uh, Jack Nicholson is at the very end of the pledge mm-hmm. reminds me of how Leonardo DiCaprio is at the yeah. end of this movie. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things where you're just like sitting there just shaking your head going, oh my God, you know, this is, <laughs> I don't feel good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't feel good about anything I just saw. Uh, but it's, but it's still fun. You know, it's a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll go through a few that where we don't need to talk about too much. Alice in Wonderland. The reason why I want to bring that up is because it benefited so much from Avatar because it you know it was 3d and 3d before avatar hardly anybody was going to see it then avatar comes out and it's like smokes the box office alice in wonderland three months later comes out Mm. and suddenly everybody's i'm all about 3d now (laughs) because avatar is awesome and this movie is terrible i can't take it man i just can't yeah it's awful it It continues tim burton's streak of kind of screwing up known properties you know yeah i don't have a thing good to say about it i really disliked it yeah um i just i've it it, at this point in tim burton's career it's just odd seeing him make these movies like you look at all the original stuff he did in the 80s and 90s Mm. edward scissorhands beetlejuice and like the different take on batman and all this other stuff you're like Man, this guy's exciting, and 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 Ed Wood and all that. You're like, man, this guy's really do- on a different level here. And then just now, everything he comes out with is a remake of something we've seen Alice in Wonderland a million times. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Disney doing the live action remakes, that yep. really actually started there, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, not much to say else about that. No, oh, fuck it. Um. <laughs> uh twilight saga eclipse we don't need to talk about that uh harry potter and the deathly house part one i do want to talk about that a little uh-huh. bit doesn't need to be in two parts does it no, no it does not, not. this the, is the this is a classic reason this is a better excuse than any to point to hollywood why they should stop splitting these up because you gave me an hour of build two hours of build up and set up then you made me wait a year for mm-hmm. all action and payoff. Yeah. Yep. And I end up feeling neither experience. And right. if I, even if it's three and a half hours long, give me all of that at once. I might actually walk out of Deathly Hallows saying that was fantastic. Uh, I don't I don't do that in this case. It's the only one out of the series, really, uh, that you can look at and say that's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everything else has it has at least a solid. It's a solid C or B minus. This is further down the rating scale mm. because it just doesn't have it doesn't stand alone at no, all it really doesn't it doesn't need to be there you could have done that whole thing with them in the woods in like 30 minutes and called it a day absolutely and then you know um let's see what else oh there's still a lot of other animation of course Shrek forever after we don't need to talk about despicable me came oh, out yeah. also big this hit. year and that was a big thing for illumination entertainment which has now become pixar in a lot of people's eyes although i I didn't really like Despicable Me. Oh, really? When I watched it, yeah, I just didn't. Do you like it? Yeah, I like it. Uh, I mean, the minions have become ubiquitous at this point. Yeah, but I really liked uh, Steve Carell's performance. Now, Steve Carell, yeah, again, he's great in this. Yeah, and uh, you know the way it's you know it, uh, a whole character arc where like he gets control of or he gets possession of these kids, and yeah, everything, yeah, yeah, and and they really start finding the heart in them and everything. I think it's certainly not amazing, but I like it a lot. It reminds me of Bad Santa in a lot of ways. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Totally. Um, Iron Man 2 also came out as the uh, third highest grossing movie this year, and that was awful. 
It's horrible. Oh, it was just awful. I got your bird. Yeah. It's your bird. <laughs> yeah. Not it's my a, it's a, another movie that already in the second Iron Man movie, we're already introducing too many characters. Yeah. Sam Rockwell, who's great. You could just make him the villain. Yep. But instead, like Mickey Rourke, he's got some like freaking, uh, you know, like vendetta against the Stark family because mm-hmm. everybody does, apparently, you know, <laughs> like and uh, did and you the- like Mickey Rourke in this movie? Oh, he was okay. I mean, there's some people that point to his performance and say like, oh, well, this is this is okay in the whole movie arc of our Iron Man. Like, no, he's, he's, he's a good villain. No, he's fine. Mm-hmm. It just, But he got this role, interestingly enough, because of The Wrestler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That revived him, and now he's that big of a name star. It's just a sloppy movie. Sloppy, sloppy. I did read an article the other day that was interesting that suggested uh, at one point before Robert Downey Jr. became involved, uh, Sam Rockwell was who they were looking at to maybe play Tony Stark. Yeah. <laughs> And he could pull that off. Yeah, that'd be yeah. interesting. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. Um, all right. What else, Gus? What about True Grit? I liked it. Yeah. Um, I am. Uh, I don't really like the, the old John Wayne Westerns. Mm-hmm. It's not that I hate them. It's it's more like John Wayne and how Arnold Schwarzenegger he is in terms of his delivery and what a caricature he is. Uh, so I, th- I think I saw the original True Grit like once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one, especially Matt Damon, is Matt so Damon's hilarious. needlingly hilarious yeah. in this movie. Uh, Haley Steinfeld is great uh-huh. in her role. Jeff Bridges, not necessarily reinventing the wheel here, uh, but you know, great as a cranky old guy paired up with, kind of reminds me of Bad Santa. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no I really like True Grit a lot. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the original John Wayne version was a little bit of a, a departure for John. Wayne because he was playing this gnarly old bastard Rooster Cogburn yeah. uh, where like he was trading on his good guy you know uh, thousand yard stare persona and, mm-hmm. and playing like you know a, kind of a, a drunk that uh, stumbles into this adventure and everything and I like it but I love Jeff Bridges and Jeff Bridges is, is to, in my mind from Big Lebowski on is playing some sort of derivation of the dude. <laughs> he is, he is, because he did it in Crazy Heart <laughs> yeah. as well. He did a Crazy Heart. He did it he, with the Tron Legacy redux. Yeah, oh, the one where the seventh son, he's basically Rooster Cogburn <laughs> yeah. in a fantasy. <laughs> he's yeah. just, he's always talking like this, and he's, really, he's always very, I'm very old, and I'm tired of this, you know. He's, that's the way he is in these movies now, but he's great in this. I yeah. mean, it always works when he does it. It's just that he does it a lot. Yeah, and it's interesting that this is a Coen Brothers thing, yeah. yeah. You know that. Have they ever done another remake? Uh, oh, yeah, the Lady Killers was. Oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Lady Killers was one, but and, certainly uh, not as well known as True Grit. And um, no, not as true. Not not True Grit. No, uh, I think I was, they wanted to make a western. Yeah. Um, you know the way No Country kind of feels like a western, but I think they wanted to make a true western, and uh, I think they succeeded. Well, and this oh, has yeah. also a pretty good like action scene in mm-hmm. it too, where the the shooting from like gobs of yards away or whatever and everything and it's one of those again like you that's how you shoot action right yep. there is you if as you can see where everybody is and it's tense and perfectly done so yeah. uh it's also interesting to see how Haley steinfeld's career is turning out yeah um 
because she was absolutely precocious in this movie and she's great in this yeah i mean she was really really good yeah Uh, i love how she keeps saying she's not going to be this great beauty and then like the older version of herself comes (laughs) in and they're all you know they all like confirm it or whatever you know but you could you could definitely tell that she had star power in the same sense as like anna paquin when she was a a Mm -hmm. kid or even jodie foster yeah um you know and it definitely has paid off um you know she's got the edge of 17 that just came out but then our music career is just skyrocketed yeah, yeah and she was in uh pitch perfect right yeah, sequel, yeah. and uh she's part of taylor swift squad so she'll be all right, right? <laughs> yeah she was in bad blood yeah. yeah um let's talk about easy egg oh, oh yes. yes um emma stone if you don't like emma stone if you don't love her by the end of this movie then you're you're crazy and i don't understand you yeah um, but more than that if you don't come away from this loving uh, her parents yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is Stanley Tucci. I forget the woman's name. Um, but they have so many. They're basically like former hippie, yeah. really good hands off kind of parents. Uh, but I was just rewatching some scenes earlier today. And they're like, she's telling them she got in trouble at school for saying a bad word. And they're like, well, what's it start with? And she says, T. And, and so they're like, T, 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 T. T T for like thirty seconds. T T T T, and then she ends up having to spell it with P's on her. Yeah. Uh, this movie is hysterical. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. This is every bit as good as Mean Girls in my book in terms of high school comedies. Absolutely, a very loose interpretation of the Scarlet Letter in, mm-hmm. in that it actually comments on the Scarlet Letter. Mm-hmm. Great turns from uh, Thomas Hayden Church mm-hmm. and Lisa Kudrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really, really like it. I, I want to sit down and watch the whole thing again after watching a couple clips today. You mm-hmm. were trying to think of uh, Patricia Clarkson. Was oh, that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. Um, but uh, yeah, this is a movie that sort of snuck up on me. I did. I uh, when I saw the trailers, and this is. I mean, I'm already in line for something like this yeah. just because I I just dig on high school comedies like this and everything. But I wasn't expecting anything at all from it. And when I watched it, by the time I was done, I was like, man, this is just, a, it's a delight. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. That's the best way to put it. Um, that, she gets that card at the start of the weekend, at the beginning of the movie, <laughs> yeah. that plays I Got a Pucket Full of Sunshine. Yeah. And the first reaction is, ew, it's the worst. And over the course of this do-nothing weekend where she's home alone, by the end of it, she fucking loves this song. Yeah. And she's like opening and closing it real fast going, I got a I gotta, I gotta, I gotta. Oh man, it's so hilarious. Yeah, Emma Stone is just a winning actress, and I just, I, I've, I think I've loved her in everything she's in. This is a, this is a, a great. This is one of the. I mean, I don't know if there's been very many others where she's been asked to be the lead in the movie. There haven't been no. Um, and uh, even in uh, Crazy Stupid Love, she's just part of the ensemble yeah. there. Yep. And everything, but this one she's actually asked to carry it, and she's just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. She's definitely a movie star. Um, best picture of 2010 was The King's Speech. Mm. This is one of these movies that Barrett groans at, apparently. Mm. Um, <laughs> and that may have something to do with, uh, I don't know, therapy or how it's portrayed or something. This mm. is one of those movies that when I saw it, I was like, that was fantastic. Probably never watch it again. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very solid movie. Um, and, of course, the biggest story out of this was that it was R-rated because <laughs> yeah. of... You know, just the the handful of fucks that he has to yeah. say in this. And then they had to make, like, the Weinsteins wanted to make a PG-13 version where they took out the fucks. 
and <laughs> and to make more money off of it because you know, we can't bring the kids in and see him say fuck five times um but uh yeah i mean it's overall solid i was kind of disappointed that it won best picture that year though yeah yeah um you know i mean and of course just like anything this is a historical piece that just throws history out of the window yeah because the stuff that happened didn't happen you know they're just trying to make the exciting movie and you know the, the entertaining movie and and uh you know uh, colin firth is is always great man i mean I, he's always a welcome presence in every movie he's in and everything and um but yeah the movie sort of left me cold a little bit that's exactly what it is that's why i don't like this first of all it's it's the standard backlash to an underwhelming movie like crash getting mm-hmm. the, the best picture mm-hmm. win yep. especially over social network and inception yeah but it, it's a cold movie to me i mean jeffrey rush is is perfectly fine colin firth is perfectly fine their interaction is perfectly fine but immediately after watching this like you said you don't want to never gonna watch it again like i almost immediately forgot it Mm -hmm. it just didn't have a lasting impact on. yeah and i think you know probably if if we could look at the ballots what happened was inception and social network you know third party canceled each other out essentially and we end up with you know the academy loves period pieces they love period british pieces (laughs) um and this doesn't get much more british than this i think even helena bonham carter's in it i don't know i i don't even know if there was much of a um sort of a cancel each other out situation because i remember when this movie came out it just was a sudden front runner it was like i remember like i think forever i think i was thinking maybe inception was gonna win it like Mm. hands down and then king's speech came out and suddenly had that rode that wave of like everybody's got to watch this movie you know, look how great colin firth is in this you yeah. know and it was just never stopped the momentum that it had and everything um what else guys all right so two really good martial arts films uh one is the sequel to eat man with mm-hmm. my boy donnie yen mm-hmm. this is the one where he fights a bunch of guys in white in a dojo and each of them gets about a 40 punch takedown somewhere on their body <laughs> maybe on their face maybe on their chest i'm gonna watch this scene as soon as i get home mm-hmm. uh, the other one is the uh, 13 assassins oh not the karate kid no not the karate <laughs> kid no <laughs> um did you ever see 13 assassins no, I didn't. Mm. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a, it's very similar to um, Seven Samurai uh, in that basically this aging samurai decides to get thir- 12 other badass older warriors to help protect this town. Uh, and it really is basically one big long fight at this town with these guys who they know most of them are going to die. Uh, it's fantastic. It's really good. I have to watch that. Sometime, yeah, I man. would highly recommend it. I don't even know if I know the names of any of the actors in it, um, but I only saw it on the re- recommendation of a friend. I actually watched that with Mark. When oh, I was yeah. Out in California. We put on put it on Netflix and we were both like, whoa. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um Okay, another one that was in the best picture race and everything, uh, The Fighter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this was David O. Russell. Um, he's he's sort of in a – he starts his groove here, basically, where he's – like, he starts coming out with a lot of, like, high-profile movies. And this, of course, is after – so many incidents that David yeah. that was involved David O. Russell from George Clooney to Lily Tomlin, uh, but uh, he's apparently back on this one, and this is this is just a terrific performance uh, from Mark Wahlberg, Amy Adams, and especially Christian Bale, yeah. who who won the Oscar for his uh, performance here. Uh, another uh, another Boston movie going to get mm-hmm. caught up in the accents in this one a lot too. Yeah, you know, and another one where. 
if the actor loses or gains a bunch of weight, then you're, oh, gonna, yeah. you're almost guaranteed an Oscar. And not even like the first or last time Christian Bale will do that either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mechanic or the machinist. The machinist. Or, yeah. yeah. But he lost way too much weight for that. Mm-hmm. But you're right. David O. Russell, from this point forward, almost everything he does gets nominated for some kind of Oscar. Yeah. Right? Usually acting, usually best picture. He does like American Hustle and mm-hmm. Joy. Um, but I, I liked this movie, but I just think I think somewhere around eight or nine years ago, I just I'm done with boxing movies. It's yep. really hard to make me care about it. But and I've seen Southpaw. The trailers for this Miles Teller one look great, but I just I didn't see Creed yet because I'm just I'm just burned out. I don't, yeah. I don't care about boxing. And That's I completely understandable. That's completely understandable because they do come out with just unbelievable amount of these over and over. I think this one is a little bit uh above that for whatever reason and i can't really put my finger on it it's not really a boxing picture like it's showing you tons of yeah it's fighting. about the background and everything yeah and that's why christian bale's so great right yeah melissa leo's in this right yep yeah i thought mm-hmm. so she's great too yeah oh yeah she's fantastic um what else guys you guys ever seen exit through the gift shop yes <sighs> have i seen that I feel the same way about the movie as i do most banksy art Oh, no, really? I have seen this. Yes, uh-huh. I have seen this movie. I thought it was worth a chuckle, and I thought it was not as smart as I thought it was. Did you think it was a hoax? I don't really... I didn't even care enough to make an uh-huh. opinion. I, I just liked the part where they put up all that fake art, and all the rich people were just like, oh, I'll pay that for yeah. that. It was basically showing how subjective and stupid the art community can be, yeah. not always is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't really care enough to even speculate. That's interesting. It It's a fascinating movie. There's a lot of stuff to unpack, like both in the presentation of it and actually in the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So this is ostensibly a movie, or it is a movie directed by Banksy, mm-hmm. the, the legendary street artist um, that's never shown his face in public because he's a street artist. So he can get you know easily recognized and arrested. Mm-hmm. One of the most highly regarded street artists of all time. And the story in the movie is that it's a documentary based on this guy, Terry Guetta's um, footage of street artists mm-hmm. and he gets to hang on hang around them follow them around with a camera and all that stuff and he has these thousands of tapes of footage and he can't put them together but banksy does and mm-hmm. then there's this weird thing about how uh guetta in his own right becomes a street artist and then becomes this banksy level um artist himself and it, it's interesting it's mm-hmm. a very interesting narrative if you take it at face value now there's a lot of speculation that Guetta's character is actually Banksy. Mm-hmm. Also, that this whole narrative is a joke. Mm-hmm. That he's playing on those expectations. That he's saying, I can make an artist out of anybody and throw this up here and make people feel things and stuff like that and pay money and all this stuff. It's funny, uh, and, and I haven't really made this study, but this documentary reminds me, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Orson Welles one called F for Fake. Mm-mm. There's an Orson Welles documentary in the 70s called F for Fake, and he's interviewing uh, a, a, a real artist and a guy who per, like basically professionally reproduces these artworks mm-hmm. and sells them as the real thing or whatever. But there's so much in that documentary where it's like, I don't even know what the hell's going on. <laughs> like he, like Orson Welles is clearly playing with you the entire time. Like this is such a narrative that it's, like not even really a documentary anymore huh. by the time it, and the whole thing in the title too uh and i'm probably sounding really stupid to people who really know f is for fake or whatever because i want to watch it now because um because it's one of those documentaries that i'm sure has been studied because orson wells did it right 
has been studied time after time and there's probably like some reasonable explanations i know when i watched it i was like I just don't know what's going on in this thing i don't know i'm too i'm not smart enough i'm sorry sorry um but it sort of reminds me of that because this is sort of puts on the air that it's a documentary mm. even though it's kind of more of a narrative than it is documentary you could right? watch it either way uh, as a straight documentary, as a narrative, or even as as a comedy, mm-hmm. uh, which is what some people have postulated, and I think would enjoy it either way. I mean, Banksy comes off as arrogant as as ever, um, and as condescending as ever. As does Shepard Fairey, who did the uh, the the iconic Obama uh, Hope and Change poster, mm-hmm. um, who was a street artist at the time. But it is fascinating to watch, and I, I would say recommend it. It's on Netflix, so you should check it out. Another documentary from that year that I really liked is uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, this movie, this is the kind of movie that happens when a studio goes, do you see that Hangover movie? Let's do that. Yeah. 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 So they go and they get good names, <laughs> Craig Robinson and John Cusack. I really like Hot Tub Time Machine despite myself because the first <laughs> the first viewing I was like, well that wasn't as good as The Hangover and that wasn't as good as The Hangover and that was but I watched it again several months later and just laughed a lot and there's a great running gag with uh this guy who's lost his arm in the future <laughs> and he's the bellhop and the movie keeps playing on both the characters and the audience's expectations of <laughs> when he might lose his arm. Yeah. Uh, and I find that running gag to be really inspired. Uh, I think it's worth plenty of laughs. Yeah. Rob Cordry in this <laughs> has oh the best line for me is when, okay, so they've gone back to 1985. I think that's what the year is. And then, uh, and he's on the roof drunk and there's like all those people yelling at him or whatever. He's like, John Lennon dies. <laughs> he's like, did that already happen? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is an enjoyable movie because it's one of those that it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It, it, it bathes in that ridiculousness. And uh, if a movie knows that it's doing that, then usually you're going to have some fun. And uh, they got John Cusack in yep. this. This is the first time he's probably been in something this weird since Better Off Dead. Since Better Off Dead, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite part of this is where he ingests all those drugs yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and turns into like Hunter S. Thompson. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking great. Yeah. Yeah, it's really funny. I would check but it that, out. But that bellhop, by the way, is Crispin Glover. It is. I just couldn't <laughs> think of his name at the time, and I didn't want to have another public brain fart. Which is hilarious, though, because it's... 1985 and yeah. it's crispin glover and yeah. all that stuff the sequel by the way is terrible oh yeah uh, i imagine i didn't yeah, see it I, I i re i saw that maybe six months ago i was like man they really just tanked it on this yeah, one yeah. this is something that just didn't need a sequel you know yeah. um but uh but yeah this is very enjoyable mm. what else uh were it not for my never-ending denzel love i would never have seen the train that won't slow down movie <laughs> aka unstoppable yeah. which i find to be a really solid action film yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chris Pine, uh, and uh, I hadn't seen him in anything except Star Trek at that point. Uh, They're both playing these blue-collar train guys. Denzel's on the way out, and he likes things a certain way, and Chris Pine is on the way up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, there's basically an accident with the track, and they have to try and do what they can to stop this train. I think it's loosely based on a real story. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think so. And... uh, I really liked it. I yeah. came out going, wow, I can't believe I, how much I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah, one of the many Tony Scott, Denzel Washington team-ups over the years. Yeah. Um, he he did like five or six movies with him. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, this is another one. It's just solid, right? It's yeah. just a solid action movie. You wish more movies could be like this. If they're if they're instead of being you know terrible, you know, yeah. <laughs> <they'd> like <laughs> you know, you'd wish they would like yeah, every once in a while. Like, oh yeah, unstoppable. <laughs> Let's try to achieve at least that. You know, <laughs> you need to get unstoppable levels. <laughs> right? Like uh, that, that should be easy enough, right? Um, but he's also in the Book of Eli. Yeah, another yeah. one that I enjoyed that I didn't think I was going to like at I agree. all. Um. And this was the the Hughes brothers who uh, had done Dead Presidents and yep. all that. And uh, man, this is a fun movie. I really just didn't think I was going to like this. It really is. It's got a great reveal. It's got a great look to it. Uh, it's got that kind of like, what would you say, like kind of darkened images mm-hmm. that, and like hyper contrast. And yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's really, really cool. Mila Kunis shows up uh, and... It's kind of got a bad Santa vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that I'm not the only one making that joke anymore. <laughs> he takes her under his wing. <laughs> well, Gary Oldman, uh, way over the top. Yes. And just makes it, I think, because Denzel's character is so subdued and so quiet. You need somebody on the far end of the spectrum. And Gary Oldman is always willing to chew up scenery. Uh, and here he's after this book. Uh, basically, he wants the Bible mm-hmm. so that he can control people with mm-hmm. religion. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those that I was like, okay, it's post-apocalyptic. It's Denzel. I don't know what to expect. And I came out going, oh, well, that yeah. was pretty awesome. Yeah, you just get to see him uh, beat up a whole bunch of guys, and it's great. And yep. uh, then it has a great reveal in the yeah. end. Yeah. Um, what else? Did you guys ever see Greenberg? I did. So Noah Baumbach uh, is is doing this movie about a hideously unlikable character played by Ben Stiller. <laughs> yeah, and at no point in this do you feel any sympathy for him, but you root for the story almost. Like uh, this is a, an out of work musician that crashes at his brother's place <laughs> and does nothing. Contributes nothing to society, no. is a soul sucker, mm-hmm. uh, and just somehow wins the good graces of Greta Gerwig. <laughs> and it's just a fun, hilarious movie that kind of harkens back to Bombax's old days where uh, he takes really terrible people and makes them yeah. watchable. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a great letter writing scene in here. I think uh-huh. it's I think it's when he's writing to Starbucks. I believe. Oh it yeah. Is. <laughs> And he's like, he's like, he's like, you guys have uh, make a lot of great coffee, coffee, and for the most part, you're awesome. But it's the it's the other part that I that sucks or whatever. It's I'm doing that no justice. <laughs> yeah. But but like the him writing letters to Starbucks, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, complaining about their product <laughs> and everything is just insane. And like, yeah, um, and and yeah, they this family leaves him at the, their house mm. and he's like, I mean, he, I mean, that's an impossible person yeah, to just exactly. to, to, have, to be responsible. I don't know. You know, it just doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, He doesn't drive. He can't do anything on his own. He relies only on other people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's funny though. It's yeah. Really funny. It's funny mainly just because Ben Stiller gets to play a character. We never see him play. Yeah, this yeah. is not Ben Stiller that we know him. You know, he's not, He's not the funny guy in this. He's yeah. well, I mean, he can be, but it's more because he's just such an asshole. Yeah. You know, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, um, let's talk about the A team. No, <laughs> um, well, actually, no, because what I was going to say, had you not spoken up, was this year gave us the A team mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, also gave us a little movie called The Losers, 
with Idris Elba and oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, that movie is what the A Team should have been. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a group of misfits that are sent by a shady uh, organization to go do a dangerous mission, and uh, you know all the exploits they get into after that. It's not an A plus. It's probably not even an A minus, but it's a solid B B plus. Yeah, uh, and way better than the A Team. Yeah, I agree, and I haven't seen it since it came out, but I remember going, yeah, I really like yeah, that. Yeah, Peter Berg actually wrote it, mm-hmm. um, so there's a little bit of pedigree there. Of yeah. course, he also made battle battleships. Yeah, so. you never know what you're going to get with Peter <laughs> you really Berg. Don't do you? Um, you know, I think he dabbles in so many things that it's like, all right, well, maybe this will be the good Peter Berg. I'm not <laughs> sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah, it was it was. It, I, I think I had that same sort of moment when I watched it. Was like that's what the A Team should have been. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like right after I watched it and everything. Um. Insidious, I thought I, I liked it. Okay, you hated it. Probably. I'm not a fan, but yeah. I'm not generally a horror fan anyway. But yeah, uh, I'm with you. Yeah, there just doesn't seem to be anything interesting driving these fucking demons anymore. It's mm-hmm. always, it's always just you know we've got just about an hour and a half's worth of them fucking around, and they do something deadly, and they get you know, the humans get saved. Let's make a sequel. This is one of the first times on an everything wrong video where I was doing the comments and I was losing my mind. <laughs> Uh, because there's a part in there where, okay, so they're in the further. It's real, okay? Uh, his kid is chained to something in the demon's lair or whatever. So Patrick Wilson is like, I want you to sit, I want, I, I want you to focus. He's like, none of this is real. And we wrote a sin saying, oh, it's fucking real. <laughs> and what I think we meant to say was all of a sudden, because there's this, oh, this awareness by the kid that it's not real, his chain magically comes off of his hand. Like, they do, he doesn't do anything to take it off. But we know it's real. And I think I wrote I think I wrote something on that where I was saying something about just, just barking at Patrick Wilson for saying that. And there were so many people who were going – He's just trying to reassure the kid. He's just trying to calm the kid down or whatever. And I was just like having to, like it was comment whack-a-mole. <laughs> you know, um, it was one of those early instances where I was like, oh, he just didn't write this the way we needed to. Um, anyway, uh, what else? Uh, Sofia Coppola came out with a, a movie this year that is horrible. Uh, it's called Somewhere. Oh, oh yeah, I remember I that. I have seen it. It's uh, Stephen Dorff that, it's it's almost dialogue free almost the entirety of the movie certainly the first 15 minutes or so are he plays this action movie star that by getting drunk one night falls down the stairs and and hurts his wrist and he has to recover at the chateau marmont yeah poor poor bastard exactly and uh l fanning is his daughter uh that comes and they rekindle their relationship but man when you get even people call Lost in Translation cold, mm-hmm. watch somewhere. There man. is a <laughs> it's completely uh, lifeless. I think there's a point where Sofia Coppola, like she did the Virgin Suicides, which I really love, and and Lost in Translation, obviously love. But I think she's she found this style that she likes to tell her movies, and like they and after a while you start believing in your own bullshit and mm-hmm. i think it happened with her on some of these and somewhere is a hard movie to watch yeah yeah i know some people who love it but man it's a man it's a tough tough movie yeah and it's not one of those like quiet uh movies that takes their time yeah that, that you can really get into and it has i love some, jim jarmish but this is not it that. has some mood or some sort of like like in lost in translation you got that mood yep. you've got bill murray talking about 
uh, some very interesting things mm-hmm. and everything. And in, in this movie, there's not any of that really. No. Um, uh, Winter's Bone came yeah. out in 2010. Winter's Bone. J-Law. Yes. J-Law. This has introduced everybody to Jennifer yep. Lawrence. She won. I mean, she got nominated for an Oscar for this. Um, and she's, this is the only time I remember where she's just been like, just, they made her to look just plain as possible too. Like everything after this has been like glamour stuff for Jennifer Lawrence, but, uh, she is incredible in this. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Like it, it, and she's only like 20, I think 19 or 20 when she did this movie. Um, and just, uh, just basically just drives this movie forward. It's great so good Mm -hmm. yeah it's fantastic not quite as good as tron legacy no (laughs) but still good yeah yeah totally i really like tron legacy me too and i love is it uh it's michael uh michael sheen's character in that yeah that does the full-on bowie yeah uh, treatment to his and he, he got that scene in that club which is so ridiculous they put a club in the middle of this whole like digital area and everything where everybody congregates and you have Daft Punk playing and then mayhem ensues and they're throwing discs all over the place I love that scene so much oh yeah it's so frenetic and crazy uh I we've talked about this movie on the podcast before I just love the tone and the mood and the color uh, and I could watch it any time. It's this not is, great. But, yeah, this mm. is one of those movies that maybe one scene probably drove me out of it more than anything. And it was the Garrett Hedlund Olivia Wilde scene where they're out look they're looking out into the whatever and like and Garrett Hedlund is trying to explain to her all this stuff that she doesn't understand because she's a digital fucking thing. Right. And and at the at the end of it he's like saying something about, Oh, it's totally beautiful and he means her basically. And she turns like she kind of understands what he's talking about even though during this entire conversation she's like i don't understand these concepts <laughs> yeah. and everything and that's one of those things where i'm like fuck you you didn't understand <laughs> what he just said but i haven't seen tron legacy and since it came out so I, I i'm sure if i watched it now i'll be like oh okay i see what you guys are seeing yeah, this. That's fine. yeah fuck it um the other guys uh-huh. came out uh this is another fun little adam oh, mckay comedy yeah, yeah, yeah man and especially um with the thing with the rock and samuel L. jackson and everything <laughs> uh love that scene they jump off the building and like in every action movie it's like they're gonna survive this somehow but they just land and thud <laughs> into the sidewalk it's the it's the thing that immediately got me into this movie <laughs> And uh, but the, it, it it paves the way for Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell. Out of I mean that is a team up right yeah, there. That yeah. is a crazy team up. <laughs> and of course Will Ferrell is married to Eva Mendes of yeah, all people yeah, yeah. and everything. But yeah, this is a funny oh, movie. Man, they play off each other really well. That first scene where he's just like, "Can you stop smiling? <laughs> you got to stop smiling." He's like. I, I'm, I'm just sitting here doing my doing my work. It's fine. It's a very important part of the force. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a funny movie. Uh, and also, uh, since we talked about a bunch of animation, Will Ferrell was also in Megamind, which was a huge, oh, yeah. huge hit. Yep. Um, and if you look at the top fifteen, it's got it's almost half animation this mm. year. It's a crazy amount of animation that came out this year. But uh, anyway. I guess I'll start uh, rattling them off. Yeah, I don't have any left on my good list. Okay. We mentioned briefly The Karate Kid, which was weird. A weird movie that got uh, Jaden Smith his his start. And I don't think we ever thought that 
Jaden Smith would be somebody we talked about in this way six years later or whatever. He's just kind of a, isn't he just kind of a weird dude now? Oh yeah, he posts some of the weirdest, uh, weirdest stuff on Twitter. He's a, a androgynous model. Uh, I think he made a song. Yeah, well, more power to him. Yeah, mm. totally. Um, but uh, I think this movie, a lot of it, a lot of uh, discussion was around the fact that there was no karate in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit right here and now, I never saw it. I love the original too much to watch some bastardization of it. It was it a have Jackie Chan. tremendous hit, and I remember watching it, going, "Nah, I, I mean, it's not the original Karate Kid. What could be?" Uh, but I kind of sort of enjoyed it when I watched it. I didn't know Jaden Smith was going to be weird later. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, the remake of Clash of the Titans, which was terrible. Yeah. Little Fockers, which was terrible. Uh, the Last Airbender was terrible. Um, Jackass 3D. That's an interesting one. Mm. Uh, movie basically required to have a sellout audience you need to be in the sellout audience yeah. to enjoy it. I could see that. Yeah. Um. I when I when you watch this by yourself, it's like, man, there's a lot of gross and a lot of like painful stuff going on. Who cares? But when it's like 200 people in an auditorium, suddenly you get caught up in a wave on that. Yeah, that's how those things typically go. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Valentine's Day, which is the start of like a ton of all these like day movies that like Gary Marshall was behind. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, and yet another Robin Hood who gives a shit. Um, <laughs> that was uh, Ridley Scott. Russell Crowe was yeah. Robin Hood. Uh, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which I actually don't remember anything of this movie. In fact, when when we asked about, when it was 2005, and we were like, did they go to Voyage of the Dawn Treader? I was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I just couldn't remember the movie. <laughs> and it can't, you know. Uh, the Expendables, yeah, there's yep. a lot of bad stuff here. There I is. mean, the Expendables is okay for whatever it is, but Due Date wasn't good. That was Zach Galifianakis and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, that's, that was disappointing. Yeah, not a very good movie. And I don't remember this Yogi Bear fucking movie coming out, and it made $100 million. Holy shit. No, I don't remember it either. Um, Vaguely, maybe? Yeah. Uh, Date Night, which was Steve Carell and Tina Fey, not very good. I thought that was kind of fun. It's fun. It's got fun moments. Yeah. Uh, another movie with Mila Kunis in it, by the way. Yeah, and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Well, the funny thing about this was, there's, I like this movie because it's it's very humanizing to these two mm. lead characters. And there's a a scene when they're coming back on the train after all this stuff has happened, and like the mob is after him. And Steve Carell's like, man, they're or, or Tina Fey is saying like they're gonna come after us and they're gonna whack us off. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve Carell takes a beat and he's like, yeah, whack yeah, us yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she gets it and she's like, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, two insipid book adaptations, Eat, Pray, Love, and Dear John came Oof. out. Night and Day. I know a lot of people like Night and Day in this room. Uh, yeah, I think it's fun. A lot of people. We got three people in this room. <laughs> what is Night and Day? It's the Tom, it's Cruise, Tom Cruise and, and oh, Cameron I Diaz. enjoyed it more than most. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people like this movie. And I thought it got bad reviews. It did, um, and I watched it and didn't like it. But I've I run into a lot of people who enjoy this movie. I think I just want there to be more movies like True Lies, where mm -hmm. they're like true action films that are also cheeky and cartoonish. Mm -hmm. And this was this was going for that vibe. It yeah. just doesn't always hit it. But I do love Tom Cruise in the beginning, how little he explains to her yeah, yeah. Uh, before they really get going. Uh, yeah, I like it more than most. Um, 
Dinner for Schmucks, another Steve Carell movie uh, with Paul Rudd. That was panned, wasn't it? It was very panned, but uh, I don't know. Another movie where Steve Carell, I think, is really good, and he feels so bad for him in this because <laughs> it's about a bunch of like elites uh, inviting these like people who are strange uh-huh. to dinner and they're trying to win a bet basically by who who got the strangest person uh-huh. that galvanagas is in this too yeah. um but uh there's some moments in this i mean i wouldn't say i wouldn't write it off completely but man and i'm looking at some horrible stuff here the yep. tourist uh was oh. a terrible movie uh the bounty hunter terrible i didn't see diary of a wimpy kid i heard that was okay uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which Dude. was Nicolas Cage and Jay Baruchel. That awful remake of A Nightmare on Elm Street came out. Yeah. Uh, the Wolfman, Get Him to the Greek, came out, which yeah. we talked about sl- a little bit. Secretariat? I mean, come on. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, I'm looking at a lot of ba- Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps. That was a terrible sequel. They should have never come out with that. Kick Ass came out in 2000. Kick Ass was all right. Yeah, I like Kick Ass quite a bit. Um, and that's sort of the glowy, the Chloe Grace Moretz uh, showpiece, basically. Yeah. Because you would never think a 12 year old girl would say the stuff that she says in this. She calls a bunch of people cunts in this. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and does a lot of murder. Yeah, and does a lot of murder <laughs> and everything. Um, cop out, which I'm pretty sure Kevin Smith would tell you was an awful and miserable experience and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually recently watched cop out and I was like, man, oh, I feel so bad for Kevin Smith on this movie. <laughs> I think he's made fun of himself. a lot. I'm sure. This. Yeah, I know. But man, and, and really this is a bad year. Mm. I mean, overall bad year. I keep looking at all these in, in the top 100 box office, just terrible movie after terrible movie uh there was a remake called the crazies that was that was a decent horror oh, movie yeah, timothy elephant yeah 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 that, no, was, that was that was a pretty effective horror movie yeah that was a decent one i never saw the american which george clooney was in. i did see this yeah i saw this with my father-in-law awkward because oh, yeah? there's like a three and a half minute long grunty <laughs> sex scene in the middle <laughs> that's not grunty that's, that's not like edited to be sexy it's like edited and shot to be like because i'm pretty sure it's like a prostitute or a girl he just met uh, this is an assassin movie where almost no one ever assassins mm-hmm. uh, it's mostly just a guy on the run uh because his organization's now going to try and come k- kill him since Clooney and tiny little eastern european towns and Tries to have a couple of the Sting style identity, misidentity mm-hmm. things. Not great, but very, very memorable for me personally, yeah. just because of that awkward three minutes. Um, <laughs> uh, Paul Greengrass and uh, Matt Damon reteamed for Green Zone. Not a good movie at no, all. No. And I, I was excited because of the team up. Because it should have been done... Iraq War, Jason Bourne, but it's not that. Yeah, it just... Mm. Um, a movie called Devil, which M. Night Shyamalan did not direct, was producer on. I actually kind of enjoyed Devil. Yeah. yeah, I did too. Uh, this is the elevator yeah, movie, Yeah, it's the right? elevator movie. Yeah, yeah. And there are a bunch of people trapped on the elevator, and uh, they're trying to figure out who in among them might be the devil. Yeah. Um, oh, and David S. Pumpkins is there? Yeah, David <laughs> Pumpkins. Um... Uh, yeah. Hereafter, which I, I don't know if I didn't think I saw that. I, I, wait, am I right when I when I qualify Hereafter in my brain as the tsunami movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That just, was just checking. Yeah, it was Clint Eastwood and Matt Damon. Um, 
Love and Other Drugs. Oh which my is, goodness. If you're going to talk about a movie you don't want to watch with your father-in-law, <laughs> oh, that would be no that. <laughs> Anne Hathaway is naked like 10 times on yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's otherwise a movie about a guy tr- uh, trying to sell Viagra. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not good. I did not like this movie at all. Yeah. I only yeah. watched it because my wife's obsessed with Anne Hathaway. So, yeah, I had a few awkward moments there. Um, <laughs> but no, it's not very good. Yeah. And uh, Machete came out. All right. I'm ready to vote because this is a horrible year. And I'm sorry if I'm missing anything. You did forget to say Jonah Hex. Oh, yeah. Jesus I did forget Christ. that, didn't I? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> His face suggests he did not ever plan to say <laughs> There was also 127 hours. Oh, yeah. 127 hours. Now, that is a... That's a tough movie to watch, yes, man. Yes, it is. Yeah. That was Danny Boyle. Wasn't I was going to yeah, say Danny, Danny Boyle. Boyle again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I knew what it was going in. Still tough to watch. I, this is a mo- one of those few movies I actually stop looking at the screen for a while because I know what you're going for, but I've already had a mental picture. I don't yep. need the real one. Yep. And then there was a, a minor comedy called She's Out of My League that also had Jay Baruchel yeah, yeah, yeah. in it. I mean, that was his biggest year. It was 2010. Uh-huh. He was in that. Uh, Alice Eve is in it. And uh, Kristen Ritter was the first time I'd ever seen her. Oh, wow. Um, Animal Kingdom. Good movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, That's a bonkers movie. Yeah, man. Uh, Jackie Weaver got nominated for that. Um, okay. I think we're ready to vote. Let's vote her up. All right. Today's order is Barrett, Jeremy, and Chris. All righty. I am voting wholeheartedly for Social Network. Okay. Love it. Love it. Anytime. I love a movie, and A Few Good Men is like this, too, also Mm -hmm. written by Aaron Sorkin, where I can come in any point in the movie and get as much enjoyment out of it as if I watched the entire movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of it is that narrative structure where he bounces around on the timeline and everything. Great, satisfying ending. Uh crazy that it's a true story but that it keeps you guessing almost all the way through Mm -hmm. that's my pick it's one of those weird rare movies where your main character isn't really your protagonist yeah because zuckerberg's an asshole from the Mm -hmm. get-go in this movie Mm -hmm. like the first we see him doing it's basically slut shaming girls online yep um and um eduardo saverin he's really the protagonist uh both in the future stuff and in the past um I love Social Network. I think it is near perfect, and it's my vote, and Chris doesn't have a chance. Oh, I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I will okay. say Inception was my number two with a oh, bullet, yeah. uh, but I got to go Social Network. Uh, I was going to say Inception. Uh, that was my favorite movie of 2010. I don't think anything's changed, but Social Network would have been my second. So one of those two was going to was gonna do it. So Social Network. Woo-hoo! Woo-hoo! I'm okay with nice. that. Close right. to a consensus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so how how long ago was it we did this? This was in June. We did it in June. Mm-hmm. What what episode? Uh, it was episode twenty three or twenty five. Put me on the spot. Somewhere in the twenties. Uh huh. Somewhere in the twenties, we did a sell this movie thing. That's right. So we picked a movie that basically either didn't get its due, or it has been panned, and we like it, and we want to try to convince others. And I remember you saying G.I. Joe Retaliation. I did. And I wanted to punch you in the face. Yeah, I know. I yeah. Know. I know. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, we're going to do that again. Uh, we're going to try to sell some movies here. Always be closing. They're selling, Mortimer. Well, that's ridiculous. Were you sent here by the devil? No, good sir. I'm on the level. We ready to sell some movies? Let's do it. All right. Uh, Jeremy, you want to start us off? Okay, motherfuckers. Uh, let's start with The Spanish Prisoner. Okay. A movie Ooh. that I think at least one of you has not seen. I haven't seen it. Correct. I haven't. Okay. Neither one of you have seen it. No. Nope. All right. So I tried to look for it, by the way, and it's hard to find. Okay. Well, this is uh, David Mamet, 
who is the author director of State and Maine, a movie we have pimped maybe more than no other on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can tell it's him, mm-hmm. uh, but this is not a comedy. There are humorous moments, but this is an espionage thriller long con is there a long con uh movie campbell scott is the lead he's invented a new process they don't really ever get into it uh and he's on a company retreat in the islands and bumps into steve martin this super mysterious wealthy rich guy steve martin has never been less funny than he is in this movie Mm -hmm. he is all mystery here uh and basically their paths cross again when they get back to the states and the whole movie is basically uh, he's worried that someone's going to try and steal this process from him. Uh, and it basically almost happens right under his nose. And there's a lot of great actors. Ricky Jay is in this. Uh, the, his Mamet's wife, who was in state in Maine. Oh, yeah. Rebecca Pigeon. Yeah. Rebecca Pigeon is in this. Uh, has a lot of quotable, mysterious dialogue. Just a great mood of a film uh, in terms of like what you want out of a mystery. Mm-hmm. Um Anyway, so that that would be my pitch because if you like State and Maine and you want to see a, like a con movie that's more serious but has the same kind of feel, that's what that is. Mammoth's really good at that. Uh, and a movie that uh, I also can't find anywhere is called Heist, which has oh, got yeah. Gene yeah. Hackman yeah, in yeah, it, yeah. which is another great one with him. It's also got Rebecca Pigeon and Ricky Jay in it. Um, but, uh, it's another one I can't find anywhere to watch again, mm. but Mamet does that so well, doesn't he? He's he does. got several of those type of movies and everything. And I love it when a comic actor like Steve Martin goes in and does a dramatic, dramatic role like that, where you're just like, Whoa, why are you not being funny? And you're good. Yeah. That's the thing, right? You think Steve Martin, you think the jerk or you yeah. think, you know, dirty rotten scoundrels Oklahoma 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 Oklahoma. and here he's like an older George Clooney like he's flashy cool suave rich uh and mysterious it reminds me I remember a guy telling me I've never seen Razor's Edge the Bill Murray movie or whatever never seen that but he was he was telling me like he's like man he's serious all the way through that movie it's like one of Bill Murray's first serious roles Mm -hmm. if not the first and he said there's a point where he's like doing this big speech and there's like almost a knowing look <laughs> into the camera and everything. And he nearly busted out laughing because <laughs> it's Bill Murray, you know, but, you know, and as long as they can sort of avoid that kind of that trap and everything of where they're, you know, where you're just not sitting there thinking a dirty, rotten scoundrel right. and stuff. It's a fantastic way to, you know, I love it when those like it's I think it's more often we see the dramatic actor going to comedy. And they're funny in that because we don't ever see them yeah. do comedy and everything. I think it's really hard for the comic actor to go and do the drama. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Anyway, I would uh, give it two thumbs up. Yeah. Sweet. All right. You want to sell something? All right. Well, my movie made all of $300,000 at the box office. Nice. <laughs> Barn burner. <laughs> I didn't realize it was that underseen. I knew that it was very underseen because I saw this movie uh, back when I was in college. Uh, it came out in 1998. I've talked about it before. It's called SLC Punk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's a fascinating look at a subculture in Salt Lake City, which is the SLC, in 1985. Uh, James Marandino was the director uh, who hasn't done a whole lot of other things since. Um, And it was semi-autobiographical, but there's some really, really good stuff in this. Matthew Lillard has one of the most manic but lovable performances that you'll ever see. Hmm. If you take his character from Scream... Uh, and then humanize it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that would need to be necessary. And I would make think. him real funny yeah. and engaging and stuff like that. 
he's essentially your narrator uh, throughout this whole thing. Um, it, it takes you through the punk scene, not only in Salt Lake City in the 80s, but uh, just overall. I mean, this is right after the whole explosion came out with the Sex Pistols and the Ramones and the Clash and everything. And they're really in the heyday. And so after college, uh, Matthew Lillard plays this incredibly smart, um, really forward-thinking anarchist. Mm-hmm. And he really wants to prove to himself that anarchy is a sensible form of uh, a way of life. And But he's got this lawyer's mind. Uh, he actually was pre-law in, in, in college. And he keeps arguing with himself throughout the movie. And what this is, I, I kind of gravitate towards the post-college uh, slice of life movies like Kicking and Screaming, Noah Bombex mm-hmm. movie. And this is what that is. He, he says, well, the best thing that we can do to rebel against the system is to get an education, college education, and then waste our minds. Mm-hmm. So they take a year off. He and his friend named Heroin Bob, who has never done a drug in his life, and they call him, ironically, Heroin Bob. Uh, Jason Siegel is in this movie, a very early turn from him. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, he plays this super hardcore punk that dresses like a nerd, <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's very very fascinating. The movie kind of goes a little bit off the rails um, towards the the at the middle of it, but the ending of it is as affecting as as you can get uh, in a movie. Uh, it's really really fun. It's got some great punk music in it, and uh, you should watch it almost only for Matthew Lillard, and everything else is just gravy. Is this does this movie have a lot of the undercurrent because they're in Salt Lake City that there's like a, there's a lot of Mormons and and stuff like that that are preventing them from being the way they want to be and all that type of stuff. The the movie starts off with the thing about me and Hero and Bob was we hate rednecks, <laughs> <laughs> and it shows them. It's a funny like uh, like social order. They're like you know the rednecks beat up the punks, the punks beat up the mods, the mods beat up the heavy metal metal guys the heavy metal guys give beat up the new wave guys and the new wave guys don't do shit they're the new hippies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah it's great it's it's very classist and of course being in uh in salt lake city in that hyper religious mormon culture yeah it makes it it makes it a lot more fun yeah uh i'm also going to mention a movie that i've probably talked about a bunch and in fact i thought for a, i thought that i had possibly had had done this one on the last sell this movie and it may be because I've talked about it so much, but I'm going to say zero effect oh, on yeah. this one. Um, and the main reason I'm going to bring this movie up again is because we didn't even talk about it in the 1998 year. <laughs> uh, but uh, but it's also a movie that I feel like has just been underserved over these years. It made $2 million mm. in 1998. Um, it's basically a modern, for the 90s, uh, retelling of a Sherlock Holmes. Mm. And it's an American Sherlock Holmes. And it's Bill Pullman, and I know that a lot of people think that just Bill Pullman is this one way, and and they get him confused with Bill Paxton because of the name. Yeah. Uh, this is Bill Pullman's by far his best performance ever in a movie, and he's great in it. And if you want to talk about somebody who's just what would Jake Kasdan? This is his his uh, his debut, and he's the son of Lawrence Kasdan and everything. Uh, this is his debut, and like. This is it. Sort of explores of what kind of genius that is. What is it is to deal with that kind of genius and thought process all the time? He's alone. He's an asshole. He's all these things that you know we've come to expect from Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that. And he writes these horrible songs while he's while he's by himself and everything. But uh, his his uh, Watson in this has been Stiller. Yeah. 
And, uh, and Ben Stiller is also, is just always just this, he's always being asked to do the most craziest of the things. Like he'll take a flight out somewhere and then like, he, he's going to, he's going to come back and tell Bill Pullman all the stuff, but Bill Pullman actually goes and flies out, <laughs> flies out to the, <laughs> to tell him and everything. And he's like, so, so what do you want me to stay here? He's like, no, I need you to go back to LA. Why couldn't you just told me that in LA? <laughs> what? I don't, don't want to say anything over the, the, the lines. They listen. <laughs> you know and, and and um and uh but the what we have is a is a really good mystery too because ryan o'neill uh is this wealthy guy who's getting blackmailed by a you know we don't know who it is but his main thing is he's lost his keys to this safe deposit box thing um and so basically all they have to do is find the keys and he's worried that the blackmailer has the keys and is going to find all this evidence of something that happened in the past and everything. So he wants them to find the blackmailer and all that. But somewhere in the middle of it, we find out that the lost keys are a coincidence and there's a lot, a lot more to this mystery and everything. Hmm. And, uh, and it's very funny throughout. It's just funny. Ben Stiller and Bill Pullman play off of each other very well. Um, the, like I said, the mystery itself is great. And Kim Dickens in one of her early roles is fabulous in this movie. Uh, and I don't know if I've seen her like this since either. Um, but she's, she's very sexy and very like, uh, just like, I don't know. There's something very intense about her and everything. Um, I don't want to say too much more about it because there's a lot of stuff in here that you're going to find out over the, over the course that you watch it. Mm. But, uh, I can't recommend this movie more and it, and it once had a, uh, they were going to make a TV show out of it with, uh, Alan Cumming as zero, Daryl oh, zero. Really? Oh, wow. And it just never got off the ground. But, um, this movie is, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here where I love where Bill Pullman, he says something like, like we, it's like, these people are a part of plots and we need to help them and all this other stuff. And he's, and he's like, and Ben Stiller's like, what, what, why he says, because we're the good guys. And Ben Stiller's like, there are no good guys. There are no bad guys. There's just a bunch of guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Ryan O'Neill shows up to, to confront Stiller in one scene. And he's like, he's like, He's like, is your boss in the in that uh, that hotel over there? And he's like, no. And he's like, he's like, what if I wanted to go and find out right now? And he's like, I'd shoot you. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, he's like, are you threatening me? He's like, yeah, I'm threatening to kill you. He's like, I got a gun and everything. You know? <laughs> and it's 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 just so enjoyable throughout. And I think it doesn't. Very, I don't think it even has a very high IMDb rating either. But. Uh, you really have to give this movie a chance. I really, I don't know if I, if I, I, I think I've said enough about it, but, uh, geez, go watch this movie. Can you get it on Blu-ray? No, I, the only place I was able to find it was on DVD, but I have seen it on HBO recently. It's oh, come really? on like a couple of times recently, which is weird. Like you like randomly on. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's a mystery that's great. It's got a lot of these, like, you love seeing how Bill Pullman, like, figures this stuff out and how he's playing off Ben Stiller and, and everything and how Sherlock Holmesian it is, but it's American. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how else to really describe it. If I say any more, then you're going to lose some of the surprises that are in this movie. So Sweet. yeah, it's great. I saw it uh, once or twice back when it came out uh, mm -hmm. and, and loved it. I just haven't gotten back to it since, so. Yeah. Perhaps I will now. Nice.
Is it my turn again? It is. It is. All right. I'm going to throw one out here. And if you guys have both seen it, I'll change to a different one. Okay. Have you guys both seen Cop Car? I've seen Cop Car. Uh-uh. Is that, you think I should talk Cop Car? Yes. All right. Uh, although I will say, I think Cop Car was generally well received, although it didn't make very much money. And I don't think very many people saw it. So. Yeah. And I was more choosing it on the hopes you guys hadn't seen it. Mm-hmm. I don't really have too many like shit movies I want to sell you. But uh, I love Cop Car. Go ahead. Yeah. Cop Car is this little intimate uh almost a police horror movie sort of kind of yeah it opens with two kids uh, and when i say kids i'm talking nine ten year old kids who find a cop car out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. i think it's in texas and like kids are wont to do they get in and drive it away (laughs) and it shows them driving through the fields and they're going like nine miles an hour and the other kids like go faster go faster they get up to like 30 or 40 they're screaming because they're (laughs) so scared they're running through fences they're weaving all over the road and we cut back to the same scene but in the past and we see kevin bacon's cop pull up and pull a body out of the trunk and drag it away to go bury it. <laughs> yeah. And he has all these. Uh, it's so frustrating watching him drag this body because, like, it's very difficult work. But he gets the body all the way to the site where he's going to throw it in this well and realizes it's missing a shoe. Yeah. He's got to go ba- track his steps back and find it. All this is happening relatively dialogue free. Uh, and so he goes back after he's finally disposed of the body and his car is missing. Yeah. <laughs> and the 30 seconds of his reaction where he goes back and forth between panic and just disbelief <laughs> are amazing. And then he basically he does something I think is ingenious. And he, he he's one of the main cops in this county. He calls dispatch and says he's having trouble with his radio. He's actually the sheriff, right? I think he is the sheriff. Yeah. 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 Um, reach me on my cell if you need me. And then he basically has to try and get to his personal car that has a cop radio in it uh-huh. before the kids are found out. Uh-huh. And he's, of course, not just trying to get his cop car back now. He's also trying to cover up a murder. Um, and from where it goes from there, I'll just let you enjoy it. It's a very short movie, uh, very low budget, no frills uh, thriller that I found to be highly enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, when you see the kids at the beginning of this, you don't even know, you don't know about the dead body. You don't need anything. Still, it's a cop car and they're in it and they're like sitting there playing in it and all yeah. this other type of stuff. And they do all this stupid stuff as kids do, uh, with beer bottles and yeah. all this other type of stuff. And you're just expecting kevin bacon to show up while they're doing all of that uh-huh. you know but that's not the, the story this movie wants to tell uh but yeah you're like it's a tense moment because you see these kids doing this stuff and you're like oh you are in such trouble my god <laughs> yeah just for this there's even a part where they find the radio and they almost broadcast something yeah and he's just about to say uh, I think the driver tells him cops are doo-doo heads or so, and, and, and shit on themselves or something like that. <laughs> uh, and he's about to say it. He's like, well, they, they'll know we're not cops because we have kid voices. And I'm like, oh, very wisely put the radio away and yeah. keeps the adventure going for a while. I really liked it. It was a very refreshing movie for me. So. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I would I would second the recommend on that one. Nice. Yeah. All right. I'll recommend one from 2004 uh, that I don't know if you guys have seen. I've talked about it before. Along Came Polly. I've oh, never seen I haven't it. seen this. No. So this was originally billed as being Ben Stiller and Jennifer Aniston's movie. And if you watch it because of that, you'll probably be disappointed. What this movie does have is an incredible supporting cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Alec Baldwin are the main supporting characters here. Deborah Messing, uh, Hank Azaria, 
uh, Masioka from uh, Heroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's hilarious, especially those scenes with those peripheral characters. Uh, the whole thing is about Ben Stiller uh, going on his honeymoon with Deborah Messing, and Hank Azaria is a scuba instructor. And Hank Azaria, man, he is a chameleon. I mean, he can really fit in anywhere, but in this, like, he's all ripped up. Oh, yeah. He's all, you know, within like a tiny little bikini brief thing. And he's like, <laughs> would you like to scuba? We can say scuba. We have fish. It's, it's fine, right? And he's got his package all hanging out and everything. <laughs> and he ends up screwing Deborah Messing on their honeymoon. And so Ben Still is all distraught and everything and goes back. And uh, his boss is Alec Baldwin. And Alec Baldwin has this wonderful New York Jewish accent <laughs> that is terrific. Uh, there's a scene in the bathroom that's very uncomfortable where you know, he's Ruben's boss and he comes up and he uses the urinal right next to him. Of course, he's making all kinds of gross noises. And he's like, you know, uh, are you going to be ready for this? we got a big account coming in. I'm sorry about that two-bit hola that, uh, that you were married to. And he's like, well, it was a little, uh, a little complicated. And he's like, forget about it. She was a dime store hooker and she knows it. <laughs> and uh, now it's great. The, the the real big addition to this is Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's let loose to do whatever comedically he wants, and he's fantastic. Oh, yeah? Hmm. He plays this uh, former child star, child actor star, uh, that n- his career never took off afterwards. And so he's always looking for an opportunity to to play himself and to, to really get himself back into theater and everything. And he just goes, he shoots for the moon with this, and it's fucking hilarious. He... At the the last bit, they're trying to ensure uh, Ben Stiller's character is an insurance risk management guy, uh, and they're trying to ensure this really high risk executive Brian Brown's character. And uh, for whatever reason, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character comes in to close the deal, and he looks at this as being less of like here's me closing the deal because of numbers, is more of a performance piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he sits there with all these executives, and everybody's looking at him. He's like, first of all. I want to say, and he goes through this like 30 second thing of cleared his throat and he ends up selling these people by the stirring speech and everything. And he just like dies at the end. He's like, ah, that's it. That's my, that's my piece de resistance. It's fucking great, man. This, now this movie was, I haven't seen it. This movie was heavily panned when it it came out. Um, and it obviously it's about it's 5.9 on the IMDb uh-huh. too, but I remember the, seeing the trailers for this and everything. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to skip that one. But you have, you have, uh, really made me curious as yeah. if, if this is funny or not. And I may have to watch it and then make fun of you later if it's not. Oh, it's, it's funny, man. I mean, you won't, you will not be not laughing anytime Philip Seymour Hoffman and Alec Baldwin are the team. I mean, there's. Well, that's I mean, the thing, right? There's a lot of like really good actors in this, yeah. and they're just kind of allowed to do whatever they need to do. It's funny as hell. That basketball scene is great. There's a scene on the elevator where it's crowded elevator, and Philip Seymour Hoffman looks around and is like, God, I'm so freaking horny. <laughs> <It's> great. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we mentioned this when we did 2005, but uh, I'm going to defend uh someone who we like to take pot shots at the island michael bay oh yeah oh yeah it's a hard it he is a hard director to defend on any level at all (laughs) um when there are 
only a couple of movies before this that you could really say i kind of enjoyed that but it wasn't really because of him like bad boys right you know it's really because of will smith and martin lawrence you might like that movie the rock is mainly because nicholas cage and sean connery are so good but this one there's not like dynamic performances here mm-hmm. it's really the concept more than it is bay mm-hmm. but uh, this is taking sort of your logan's run type of story here but it's and it's not yeah it's not not anything new but i would say give this a chance because this movie didn't do anything at the box office when it came out and uh and it's just it's just got that neat concept you've got you've got all these people who are in this facility who are really dying one day to win the lottery and go to the island Mm. and the island is where you know you finally are free to do whatever you want you're on basically like lifelong vacation or whatever but they've been told that there's a contamination out outside that they, they that's the reason why they can't go out and they're just survivors of this you know this big contamination that happened and everything and uh so mainly you have Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson and, and Ewan McGregor is, you know, is, is fun. And Scarlett Johansson is fun in this because basically as Sean Bean later says, they're basically 15 year olds because yeah. they, they don't know anything about sex or anger or any of this type of stuff. And it's not a stress. It's not only gets revealing too much to say that they're not there because of being they're not you know they're not survivors of Mm. some contamination they gotta figure out what that is and i just always love these type of sci-fi concepts uh you know the sort of the idea that the world that they think is whatever it is isn't what it is you know Mm. and of course it's you know they get out they they see what the world really is and everything and there's some amusing little exchanges with ewan mcgregor and uh, i don't know if i want to say if there's there's a good exchange with ewan mcgregor and another character in this should i say it it's an old enough movie i guess it's an old enough movie but ewan mcgregor runs into himself yeah oh yeah yeah. and uh and there's a a sort of a fun thing where the where ewan mcgregor the one from the island is like is like why do you speak in a different accent and he's like (laughs) and ewan mcgregor's like i'm from scotland (laughs) you know and uh but uh and scarlett johansson's like uh, double or whatever is an actress who's basically scarlett johansson in fact her name is sarah jordan it's the same initials and everything um but uh yeah i mean there are some bay bay stuff in here that's gonna make you roll your eyes because in probably every movie he has a highway scene where everything goes crazy in fact i think this movie it either took something from bad boys 2 or it some other movie he did later in transformers took from the islands that the exact scenes from this to just splice it in later oh, he just God. he puts some cg over it to change one right. or two of the vehicles but you can tell it's the same shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah and there's a yeah i mean he does this in every movie there's always got to be some highway scene where all the cars are exploding and like you're sitting there going man you're doing really good up until this point and it's basically these huge ass barbell looking fucking things yeah. Yeah. that you mcgregor somehow pushing out easily onto the <laughs> and of course the guy driving the truck he's oblivious to yeah. all these bar bells coming off the coming off his truck and all the destruction going on behind him and everything but uh, overall 
this is just one of those where the concept wins over all the other bullshit. And, yeah. and, and for about 45 minutes or so, it's just in that facility. Michael Bay has no other choice but to be sort of a reserve director. Yeah. Can't be explodey and, you know, loud <laughs> and all that other type grunty. of stuff. And grunty. <laughs> um, so I, I would give that movie a chance, even though it, it's not, it's in no way great. I'm mm. not going to tell you that this movie's great. This isn't like where Zero Effect, I believe this movie is a, an undiscovered gem yeah, of genius. Yeah. The island is, you know, it's just got, it's overall just an enjoyable movie and coming from michael bay hard to hard to believe yeah, yeah. agreed good pick you want to do questions i think we should move to questions questions question question i got something to say i want the truth i am listening if you would choose two characters from the same actor and put them together in a road trip slash hangout movie together which two would you pick uh, by the way, thanks for responding to my last question. Keep it up, guys. Thank oh, you. so we've done another one of those yeah, questions. Yeah, questions. Good, well, yeah. Keep questions. asking inventive questions yeah. and the odds of having them read are yeah. even better. Uh, Chris? Okay. Um, ever since Chris Evans was Johnny Storm and huh. then became Captain America, <laughs> I've wanted to see a Johnny Storm Captain America. Oh, that's great. Man, Johnny Storm would annoy Captain America so much. <laughs> I know. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> It'd be amazing. It'd be awesome. And imagine them in a road movie together. Holy shit. Um, they wouldn't need to drive in a car, but it'd be awesome. Um, <laughs> But I've always, because, of course, Fantastic Four is done at Fox and all the Avengers stuff is being done, Marvel and Disney and all that, uh, you know, the the fact that he crossed over to play Captain America isn't a big deal. But for me, when I see this is all a part of a grand scheme Marvel universe and everything, and even though they don't have Fantastic Four and they don't have X-Men and all this other type of stuff... Uh, I, it always it was amusing to me that the same actor played two characters who are in uh, two big characters in yeah. the Marvel universe, and it would be nice to see them somehow interact somehow some way. I would love to see a whole movie of that. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Great. Yeah, uh, I wrote down Jason Bourne and uh, Mark from the Informant. Uh, oh yeah, both nice. Matt Damon characters. <laughs> and so basically, you take Frankie Potente out of the Bourne identity and you put in this guy who just count just cannot stop spouting random facts about butterflies and corn and all the stupid shit he says during that whole movie and i even wrote to my notes in you guys i'm fairly certain before this journey's over Bourne is going to kill this guy well yeah and <laughs> just not, to shut him up well not because he's annoying but because he's going to say all the stuff that is going to get them in trouble <laughs> he's a terrible all, spy right yeah <laughs> he's yeah. bad at all the trade craft <laughs> yeah um so i just think that'd be really funny to watch him have to slow burn over this uh this guy who's really geeking about being a spy and uh, won't shut up yeah that's a great one funny oh yeah uh this immediately brought to mind 1997 for me in al pacino's two roles in donnie brasco and the devil's advocate oh Oh, wow wow and i kind of had this fantasy of getting them together in a bar where they just kind of sidle up to each other (laughs) and they start talking about uh if one protege is better than the other Mm -hmm. and so you know satan John Milton starts talking about Keanu Reeves and how great he is, and he's a winner and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Lefty Ruggiero talks about Johnny Depp and how he's great. And uh, you, you can know. spot a Fugazi miles away. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I just kind of in my head 
picture this escalating argument about like who's better, who's better, and it all devolves into Pacino yelling at each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't make the rules, Kevin. And then right before they part ways, Donnie Brasco Pacino is going to ask if he can borrow some cash. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Some puzzles. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, eventually it goes into Pacino ness and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Should we do one more round of this because this is fun? Sure. All right, I got. Go ahead, Chris. Um, man, there's, I've got two more written down here, but I'm going to go with Matthew McConaughey as Rust Cole and True Detective and Wooderson from Dazed and Confused. <laughs> um, because oh, wow. if you want to talk about two as far apart characters as there is in any kind of medium, <laughs> it's Rust Cole who is humorless <laughs> and Wooderson who is just this fun loving, way too old, yeah. you know, for what the crowd he wants to hang out with type of guy, fun loving guy and everything. Now, can you imagine them now? See, Russ Cole, obviously in True Detective, there was a lot of driving and talking scenes. Yeah. So you could easily see something where Wooderson is in the car and he's just sitting there talking about his philosophy of life, man. You know? <laughs> and uh, and then Russ Cole just, you know, somehow playing off of that, like, you know, like the, if you had something where you're saying, hey, I, I get older and the girls stay the same age and everything, and he, Russ Cole would have some sort of philosophy about it, probably. <laughs> you know? Time is a flat circle. Yeah, time is a flat circle, man. <laughs> Don't matter. Hey, you just number nice, um nice. so yeah that's the uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god is it me yep uh i want to see tom cruise from tropic thunder and tom cruise from magnolia oh, in scream oh so good oh, yeah. because frank Mackey would be like you want me to teach you how to tame the vagina oh my god <laughs> it would Wes be... would be like bend over and fuck your own face <laughs> and then it, it would just be off to the races from there man that would be so amazing i would pay all the dollars to watch that movie <laughs> Oh my god! That's just one that came to mind that would be fun. Like, like it's it's very similar to your Pacino idea in the sense that it's really going to be best when they start screaming at each <laughs> yeah, other. Yeah, but neither one of those guys is going to take either of the the other guy's shit. They're yeah, both yeah. going to still think they're top dog in that situation. Should be interesting. Yeah, oh, that's great. And I actually doing a a, a little bit of your theme from the last one because I thought about Ben Affleck in the town and Ben Affleck in Goodwill Hunting. Oh, oh wow. It would be something like where they pull a bank job and Chucky fucks it up some way <laughs> because he's talking too much or something like that. And then they have to get out of town and it's the two Afflecks together. <laughs> and Chucky just can't stop running his mouth and that kind of thing. And he's getting all drunk and everything. And meanwhile, the town Ben Affleck, Doug McRae, is plotting how to knock the other Ben Affleck off <laughs> with making it look like an accident, you know? And that, that's the whole like road trip thing. I would It's totally a whole new that. meaning to the speech. Like you could have Doug McRae give the I just want to pull up to your house one day and have you not here. Yeah. Like, it gives it a little creepy under. under yeah, the- yeah, it would. Oh my god. Here's the next one. If you could have two film series crossover, what would they be, and what clever name would the movie get? Well, I'll give the listener some credit here. Like me, Jason Bourne meets Die Hard. Born to Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Give what it do to you guys me. think? <laughs> Um, you know, it's funny. I, I actually did not see the clever name part. I just saw the two film series and uh-huh. I actually, 
I saw the theme that you guys were writing those titles, but I was like, well, this one may not have one. But anyway, I've always wanted to put Gremlins and the Purge in the same movie. I've always (laughs) thought that would be awesome because you would have Gremlins running around on Purge Night and all the rules involved with both of those movies. (laughs) And and I I just imagine just having where... Like somebody obviously had like a mogwai and he knew it was purge night and he's like, I'm going to start fucking chaos. And he just like starts watering his mogwais, <laughs> feeds them after midnight and says, run my pretties, you know, and, and they just run amok through the fucking town oh my God, and everything. And like, I was just, just imagine like there's going to be some people out there who want to kill somebody, but they can't cause gremlins are fucking around. And then, you know, so you have gremlins that that are good guys in some instances and they're bad guys in others and everything. And uh, I just think that would be a fun fucking movie. Yeah, that, that is great. Sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. I'm in. Uh, all right, so I'm going to go with Heart and Souls, which is a movie I've talked a lot about where four dead spirits get to take over Robert Downey Jr.'s body to do the one thing that would have made their life complete. And I'm going to mash that up with a little Iron Man. Oh. Right, so here the four spirits get to take control of Tony oh, Stark shit. Oh my God. in or out of the Iron Man suit yes. and fulfill their last you know, big wish in life before they die. And I didn't oh come up God. with a clever title for that, but I'd probably just call it Hey, I mean, heart and Iron Man. Well, yeah. <laughs> there is something about Tony's heart, though, right? Iron there souls. Is. There is so iron souls. Iron, <laughs> iron souls. Heart and souls probably just still works. Jeremy's iron. Jeremy's iron. <laughs> Here's a ball. Perhaps you'd like to bounce. Here's a ball. <laughs> Perhaps you'd like to bounce. All right, I'm going to mash up a comedy with a very serious movie. Uh, my dinner with Andre and Ted, and call it my dinner with Ted. No oh, shit. <laughs> Ted the teddy bear? Exactly. Oh, Jesus. So what I want to see is Wallace Shawn uh, eating dinner with the character Andre Gregory, but replace him with Ted. And Ted is like profane, getting drunk and like belligerent and all that shit. But Wallace Shawn is paying rapt attention yeah. to him the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> really taking everything. Like he's Andre serious. Gregory. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. My dinner with Ted. Yeah. I was good. I would watch the fuck out of yeah. that movie. I would, I would watch it for sure. <laughs> well, this isn't a film series. Inception is not a film series. Uh, but uh, sort of merging that with A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I was thinking that that would be kind of cool. Yeah. But now, now, on paper, it sounds cool. I'm sure it's terrible. as a, <laughs> but, <laughs> but on paper, if you have, like, Freddy Krueger running around and all these different, like, dream levels uh-huh. and everything, and replace the horrible... That's the one thing about Inception that I don't like is all the, like, you know... The projections. The projections and everything. Those are... Those deserved to be a little bit more than just random people shooting yeah. the whole time they're basically grand theft auto 5 bad guys yeah and and then all yeah exactly and and while maul shows up in in leonardo dicaprio's stuff this guy would show up in everything and they have to defeat that's basically it they have to defeat him somehow and it's something other than what i mean i guess in a way in the first nightmare on elm street they're sort of inceptioning their way into killing him yeah but it's not the same type no. of deal and that's what this that franchise needs is some sort of heady take on it yeah i mean it's something that i mean they've done a million sequels and everything and they i don't think they've ever recaptured that 
originals. You yeah, know, it's and, gotten dumbed down over the time over the years. Yeah, and, of, and, and I understand they're just trying to make a Freddy movie. I get it, but like if they could have something with some different levels in it and putting totems in it and all sort of stuff, I would be all about watching that. Or if know? Freddy had different powers depending on how many levels of of dream you go into. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, I would totally be down for that. Uh, I want to mash up the Wonder Boys and the Hangover. Hmm. Oh, yeah. The reason I like the Wonder Boys so much is because of the characters. You've mm. got this aging, has been pot smoking, one time novelist teacher who can't finish his novel. He just can't stop writing or making choices. You've got Robert Downey Jr., who's into, I think, men, women, desks, lamps. <laughs> he basically <laughs> would fuck anything. <laughs> and then you got Toby Maguire, who is a compulsive liar, gifted writer trying some drugs and alcohol for the first time ever, perhaps sexual experiences as well. Uh, so basically, I want to put those three in a situation of The Hangover where they spend a weekend or a night and wake up with no idea what happened and they have to go retrace their steps. And I would call it The Hangover Boys. <laughs> nice. And I think that would rule. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Because I love The Hangover, but those, it's, it's largely, it's just three white guys. Yeah. Zach Galifianakis is, you know, the goofy, goofy, weird one. But mm. for the most part, there's not much differentiation between the three of them. It's just crazy shit happens. Yeah, yeah. But I want to see the crazy shit that happens when we've got three distinctly different types yeah, of characters. Oh, yeah, I think for awesome. sure. Yeah. Nice. All right. All right. I'm going with Citizen Gump. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Don't say anything else. That's it. That's perfect. Roll credits. That's it. I know what you're going for. No, you can say that's something. That's it. No, that's it, baby. You want to do one more quick one? Yeah, sure. Okay. Which characters or actors have made the best film to TV transition? Uh, we could also talk about who made the best TV to film transition. Okay. So- the the best uh, TV to film transition seems to be George Clooney. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's an easy answer and everything, but I guess the couple of answers that I wrote down that you may not think about is Woody Harrelson, who was in Cheers, yeah, yep. um, who has turned that into a career I would have never guessed. Yeah. When, when I watched Cheers and saw his Woody character, I, I felt like he was typecast as that guy. But he very early on, like, made sure that that wasn't going to be the case. He yeah. made sure that he wasn't playing Woody and everything. Yeah, like white men can't jump. Yeah. And uh, he, I mean, that was an extremely smart thing for him to do because he could have easily, through the 90s, just been Woody if he wanted yeah. to be. Uh, but now he's just done a just a very interesting and varied career. Yeah, he's been a he's been a dumbass. He's been a badass. He's been you know somewhere in between, just kind of a goofball at times, like in Kingpin. Yeah. That kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean it, it's way all over the map. Yeah, I think I think where he officially shed Woody was was Natural Born Killers. Mm -hmm. Uh, because he was, you know, he's, he's got his head shaved and he's just this ultra violent serial killer guy yeah. or mass murderer as he prefers. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you see him pop up in a lot of stuff and yeah, there's some movies he does that I wish he didn't like now you see me too and all yeah. that other bullshit. But like, uh, most of the time he's in a movie or whatever and he's great and true detective as well, man, he's just. He's just yeah. fantastic, and usually in those movies, usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good one. Um, 
so in terms of TV to film, I think Clooney is the archetype here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I went way back to a show my dad used to love, which was St. Elsewhere, and that's mm. where Denzel got his big Oh, story. yeah, that's right. He had had a couple of bit roles in films, but his resume from glory on doesn't doesn't happen until after St. Elsewhere, and he is, at this point, acting-wise, probably one of the heaviest hitters. He's definitely A-list like Clooney. Uh, and of course, Leo had like a half season stint on Growing Pains, <laughs> yeah. but I chose not to count that. Uh, so I decided to go with Denzel. Denzel and Clooney, I think, have the same track. How long was Denzel on St. Elsewhere? Elsewhere, I think he was life? a regular for multiple seasons. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, I never he's saw the, the. He's in the finale for sure. I never saw the show, so. Yeah, I, I, well, and I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was the one watching it, but I'm pretty sure he was a regular from the get go. Hmm. Yeah, for TV to film. I love Michael J. Fox. Oh yeah, from oh, Family yeah. Ties to Back to the Future. That's one of the best leaps that I've I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But I'm more interested in the film to TV because I, I think that's harder to pull off. At least it always was. Maybe it's easier now. Uh, but from film to TV, I think Kiefer Sutherland nailed it. Oh, uh, going 24. from yeah, going to 24, and he kind of helped usher that whole thing in to where Glenn Close could do damages yeah. and stuff like that. And uh, it, it really, I, I know that was a cinematic show and everything, but he made that show like appointment viewing, though. Yeah, yeah. And I totally agree with that, by the way. And this is, uh, 24 is where TV started to become almost better than film Mm -hmm. like 24 is i mean not a you know it's not when we don't look when we look at all the other great shows that come out like breaking bad and all that yeah it's not not that yeah but at the time uh yeah to have a that big of a star playing in a tv show was kind of out there yeah and now we see it all the time Mm. like and it's because tv has surpassed film yeah uh they can tell more complex stories and everything and so like you see on hbo and and on um amc and all these different billy bob on fargo yeah i mean yeah it's a lot easier i think now but that was it that's a good example Mm. yeah back in the back in the day there wasn't there wasn't a lot of film to tv transition right when clooney was making that jump everyone in tv was trying to get to film mm-hmm. yeah there yeah. weren't a lot trying to go the other direction yeah because you had caruso trying to do it and that was the big failure or whatever is like he tried to of course all the movies he was in i don't think they were ever going to be good i mean they were never going <laughs> to vault him anyway like you know he, he had bad choices yes. as well um, but, uh, but then, but then Clooney came out and said, you know, Caruso's a hero. He showed us we could do it. I mean, even though his movies, whatever, didn't do well, whatever it's, you know, he didn't say that, but I mean, impersonation <laughs> of David Caruso's career. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I regret everything. Yeah. But yeah, like that. I, I, I when, when the, when the film to TV, that question came up, I was like, well, now it's so common, mm. but I didn't think about that key for Sutherland. It's a really good yeah, one. It was kind of the crux. Yeah. Okay, well, that will do it for this Sincast. Uh, keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your thoughts. Man, I love talking to you people. You it's, guys are some beautiful bastards. It's really great. I mean, just the comments that we've gotten recently on the last few episodes are just like really thoughtful. Um, we've actually gotten pulled a few questions from there. Uh, we've got a, a question that came in this week that we're going to use for next week's one. It's really great. So message us anytime. Uh, we really love it, and uh, we'll try to get back to you on it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, just uh, tell us uh, how how we're doing. You know, mm-hmm. good or bad. I don't really we don't really care about that. Anyway, that'll be it for this syncast. Chris Atkinson, Jeremy Scott, and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. 
Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Okay, we got a... Uh, um, I'm good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we got a what? Yeah. We got a what? Finish the Stay story. tuned next week when we find out what he was talking about. Finish the fucking story, man. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mozart's ghost. <laughs> you remember that? The net? Oh, yeah. <laughs> starring, the, starring the lady from the bus? No, it's in, it's in the net. <laughs> Mozart's ghost. <laughs> I just remember when Mike Myers hosted SNL in 2010, like he came back and did like a Wayne's World redux and they did like the best movies of 2010. And he's like, I'm just happy they nominated something called Winter's Boom. <laughs> <laughs> if you would choose two characters from the same actor who are different, uh, who are as whatever. If you were, yeah, don't read the question for the audience, Barrett. <laughs> and Clark Peters. Oh, and yeah. Clark Duncan. Clark Duncan, yeah. What did I say? Clark Peters. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, there's a Clark Peters, though, somewhere out there in the world. In the yeah, Hollywood. he's uh, on the wire. He's the uh, older. There you go. Guy. Yeah. By the way, it's Clark Duke, not Clark Duncan either. Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> yeah. Wow, we screwed that guy's name up so many ways. <laughs> and uh, he was in Sex Drive. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's always funny. Yeah, like, he is. It, like um, he's perfect in this. Maybe, okay, maybe not. I don't think I've ever seen it. All right, well then, I guess we can cut that whole thing out <laughs> and say that... Let's do some questions. I want the truth. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm listening. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I love it. The mind runs wild. You know how long it took to get all the Evil X's contact information so I could form this stupid league? Like two hours. Oh, I got a kink in my sling. <laughs> <laughs>